0: Facts, facts, facts. We don't need no stinking facts. Facts are just a a distraction from the ever-changing issues that you may be outraged by today, but then are totally supportive of tomorrow when your party tells you to. Like cops, war, and taxing the super rich. Who cares about facts? Who cares that many Americans believe our unemployment rate is actually anywhere between 28 and 42 percent? Even though during the Great Depression, unemployment topped out at 26%. And if un- unemployment really was 42%, America would cease to exist. Those facts are just a distraction. So make up your own. Like my dad, who says the only reason so many businesses say they are now hiring and put up help wanted signs and run ads online looking to hire is not because they're actually doing well, but because they are going out of business and they don't want their employees in general public to know it. Tricky little bastards. Who cares about when people scream Benghazi at the top of, those, uh, top of their lungs? People who don't even know what country Benghazi is in. Just totally ignore the fact that the House Intelligence Committee, now there's a fucking oxymoron for you, made, made up a Republican leadership, had four separate investigations that proved nothing. So while they scream Benghazi, they also simultaneously scream stop government spending but could give a shit less that the House Republicans just got a blank check and an unlimited amount of time to continue their investigation of Hillary. So if Hillary does become president, the Republicans will end up spending eight years and five billion more dollars on this nonsense, and you'll totally be okay with it. Because, hey, that's totally different than feeding hungry kids. Benghazi, motherfuckers. Who cares that... You're a hundred times more likely to be killed by a cop or a Christian extremist in this country than a Muslim. Don't you watch YouTube videos? Muslims behead people. And what difference does it make the average American doesn't know Shiite from Shinola or even care that Saudi Arabia, one of our biggest allies, is also one of the has one of the biggest Islamic fundamentalist populations in the Middle East. They keep Putin in check and they keep all that sweet, sweet Saudi oil flowing into our FU, SUVs. Besides Benghazi! And speaking of Putin, who cares that this ex-KGB agent, now turned shirtless bear-wrestling communist dictator, is thumbing his nose at the UN and gobbling up countries faster than Randy Quaid gobbles up Zoloft. We love his commie ass. In fact, we love commies. Except for the Bernie Sanders kind. I mean, taking over Ukraine and having secret death squads is one thing, but when you start talking about free college, you gotta fucking go. And who cares that my grandparents would be rolling in their grave if they saw that 20% of Americans would rather have Putin as president than Obama. And 40% of Americans, or 40% of Republicans, say they would put Israel's welfare before our own. After all, they're patriots. And what's more patriotic than saying you love America by saying you hate every single thing about America except reality TV and cheddar cheese french fries? And finally, who cares about my facts? My facts are not your facts, my reality is not your reality, and my cause is not your cause. So how could we be anything but the most bitter of enemies? And now, a word from our sponsor. Is there anyone on stage? Is there anyone on stage? Will the rules for tonight shrink government? 30 seconds. Will the rules for tonight shrink government? Without further ado, let's begin. In Florida, they call me Jeb. I'm proud of my brother. You are a criminal. I've got a record in Florida. We've done it 27 times since World War II. But he says you do nothing. True. But I have said that Mr. Trump's earned legal status really mirrored what we said is ridiculous, tragic. I believe we can do this the right way and with low expectations, dumb down everything.
1: They call me Vito Corleone. What? Education the Bloomberg Foundation of Border Enforcement means you pay a fine. I've written a book about this over an extended period of time.
2: Mr. Trump, murders, crime, I've been challenged and I don't have time. The person that wins if it's not me have a good time as the Republican nominee. What am I saying? I'm leading by a bit. But you know
3: what? We will win. Drug pouring across the border.
4: It's fun and we need brain. Trump, Trump, Trump. Governor Scott Walker. Thanks. I'm a guy with a
2: Harley. The voters in Wisconsin, they tried to recall me. You
3: know, people like Hillary Clinton and lead from behind. You find mush, you push. At least in my wife. I ran and messed up. up law enforcement. One article called me aggressively normal. But first off, let's repeal of Obamacare. I asked for your vote because I was worried for America. Fat pigs, dogs, slob, illegals, disgusting animals,
0: prostitutes, drug dealers, pimps, all the people freeloading off the system. And of course, I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. Fat. Pigs, dogs, globs, illegals, disgusting animals, prostitutes, drug dealers, pimps, all the people freeloading off the system. And of course, I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. President Vladimir Putin started a campaign, hardliners in Iran chant LeBron James. Well, that's awkward.
5: We're just going to shout out the names, Mike Huckabee, unleashed a Camp. If you know what
6: I'm saying? you favor a constitutional amendment banning responsibility, the Mexican government did a great job running your state of Wisconsin. Government is stupid. Florida is toxic. The last president bamboozled the American people. And you say, everyone, from 2002, is illegal. Could you please address Senator Cruz? Why not use this debate to share your proof? I was raised in the Amazon, and it is outrageous. How is
0: Hillary Clinton going to lecture me about education four years ago? I owed $100,000. The majority of this
3: new El Chapo from Guatemala, my father was a bartender. My father was a millman, his father coal miner. Enough about them. People are frustrated. They will come illegally. They will turn it into a new American
0: century
5: Fat pigs,
0: dog, slob, illegals, disgusting animals. Prostitutes, drug dealers, pimps. All the people freeloading off the system. And of course I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. Fat pigs, dogs, slob, illegals, disgusting animals. Prostitutes, drug dealers, pimps. All the people freeloading off the system. And of course I'm talking about Hillary Clinton
2: well I could take issue with all of those things the thing that is most important is having a brain Ukraine can't trust us with
7: politicians Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention we have weakened ourselves militarily take out half of a brain freedom is not free drive the debt to an unsustainable level and uh, I've talked to a lot of the generals and believe me people are stupid idiots we want to utilize military intellect and America became a great nation separate
0: creativity and innovation I agree with Dr. Carson yes I do when you act Actually have to be
3: responsible to give more tools.
0: ISIS rides in a U.S. Humvee. I've got a proposal.
3: Fund our enemies. When you're sitting in a subcommittee blowing hot air, you can say things like that. I asked the mayor. That is nonsense. But I am darn proud. It's good to see you, gentlemen. What do you think of this crowd?
0: Fat pig, dog, slob. All righty. Welcome to the Ignorance Equation. I am your benevolent host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source humble servant of the people, and I am broadcasting to you live, as always, from the land of meth and honey, Caraville, Tennessee. I also want to introduce my ballot counting, my delicate chasing, my winning, winning, winning producer, the media blackout to my Bernie Sanders, the too moderate for my party to the John Kasich, to my John Kasich, the six coin tosses to my Hillary Clinton, the the
5: maven domestic,
0: the what's shaking.
5: Not much. I really, really love that song. Like it just it cracks me up. That's that's all there is. Indeed. To
0: it. I let it play a little longer than usual because I wanted to get to the Carson part because I'd love just listening to Ben Carson talk with his eyes half shut. He always looks like he's so doped up. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Um, D. Today we're gonna have Sean Whalen on and he is famous, most famous, for people under the stairs. And speaking of being under the stairs, you are actually under the stairs. That's how dedicated you are to the show.
5: Yeah, we, for some reason, one of our microphones seems to be overly sensitive. So for a while, we were getting a lot of feedback. Like I would, I don't know if it was mine or yours, but we would hear each other through the other microphone. So we have a, some sort of closet slash cupboard under the stairs. So now I broadcast from the cupboard under the stairs.
0: Nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I'm that is a, a that's a great homage to today's kettle of fish guests. All right. Mm-hmm. I also want to introduce a man who has made more Facebook profiles than Donald Trump has switched positions on abortion. Dwayne, the mass posting badger. Dwayne.
3: That that would be me. I don't know what what uh, profile you want me to respond with. So all of us just say glad to be here. Nice. And a girl who spreads logic and reason like a
0: political Johnny Appleseed. Calling in from Virginia Beach, Fern Thompson.
1: Hey there. Yeah, I I prefer to think of it more like peanut butter on bread. Nice and smooth and even and flowy. No chunks. No chunks. No, no chunks. Chunky peanut butter. No, who has chunky peanut butter? If I want to eat peanuts, I eat peanuts. But my peanut butter has got to be creamy, my nuts have to be crunchy, and never the two shall meet.
0: Dwayne, well, Wayne, said her nuts was, have to be crunchy. So <laughs> let, come on, let us have it.
3: <laughs> well, my nuts haven't been crunchy since I was in my 20s. I'm 43 now. They're kind of, they're like cereal that's been sitting in milk for two or three days.
0: All right, Dee, real quick, give us the rundown. We're gonna jump right into the first story. So give us a rundown on who's coming on the show.
5: All right, here are one, two, three, four, five, seven, six, or seven, ten reasons why you should keep listening to our show. Uh, We have coming up more Mozine, Ben Stewart Stewart from Songhammer. We've got magician Steve Trash, ventriloquist Christine Barger, Paul Goble, and who's a comedian, by the way. Um, And, of course, we have Cinderella's Tom Kiefer. Not only that, we do have our 100th episode coming up. We will have Jay Johnson. We'll have John Lear. We'll have Rochelle from King of the Nerds. We're going to have all kinds of super-duper people. And, of course, uh, we are doing our giveaway. We will be announcing the winner that day on the 100th episode, which is the Sunday after next. So if you still want to get in on that, which there's, gosh, there's a signed poster, a signed T-shirt. There's... DVDs and CDs and, of course, a kettle because it is celebrating our new kettle of fish. Um, Just go over to Facebook.com slash KOF show, and you can actually enter every single day so it's not too late. You still have plenty of time to get in tons of entries. Yeah, and I think we've got about 500 entries, and um, Mm -hmm.
0: we actually hit a 1,000 finally on our Facebook page, which up until maybe a few months ago, I wasn't even really pushing But now I'm a lot more interactive with our Kettle of Fish page, and we've gotten over 1,000 fans. And unlike the old days where I used to go to bullshit traffic sites to try to get people on there, I realized, you know, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, we'll have 10,000 fans on ignorance equation, but half, no, shit, 80% of them aren't real, so nobody's interacting with the page. So I was like, you know what, I'm not going to use these anymore. I'm just going to just try to get authentic, real fans who really want to have something to do with the show and we have a lot more interaction on our musical osmosis and kettle of fish page because I've been actually reaching out to real people and we've been getting a lot of likes without even inviting people anymore. It's kind of taken off. Right, guys? Oh,
5: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. So anyways,
3: oh, today, I, you know, I never I never asked you how osmosis got it. How musical osmosis got its
0: name? Um, just like the ignorance equation got its name. I tried to have a feel for the show. I've always been a person, and I used to be great at picking out band names, and I've always been a person who felt like the packaging of a product is almost as important as the product itself, and when you hear musical osmosis, it just has a rhythm. Like, I'm OCD, man. When I write, I kind of write like an algebra equation. Even when I write for the site, like, if I have have three things on this side, I try to have three things on the other side, like it's an algebra equation. I'm just very structured. So musical, osmosis, it has like a rhythm to it, and of course osmosis is being able to take in information, like you put a book on your head, and the, right. and the information just flows. So it had a certain rhythm to it, like, hey, music flows into you. You don't have to – I didn't even know how to read music, when I, and I was in a successful punk band. You know what I'm saying? So music flows into you. You can just turn it on, and you can grasp all the nuance and the beauty of it. Like, it's actually kind of an act of osmosis, right? So musical osmosis.
3: That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I'm glad you shared that. Ignorance
0: equation. When I came up with the blog, because the the written blog came first, when I came up with the written blog for ignorance equation, same deal. I was like, you know, we live in a country that's very dumbed down now, that is very um, resistant to burning the lean muscle tissue of the brain to kind of research stuff. And, you know, this factors into everything else. It's an ignorance equation. And that's how I came up with that name.
3: Just like my my fish rant this morning about people not researching before they buy an expensive saltwater fish and kill them one day. Gotcha. (laughs) Right, right, right.
0: So um, we're going to have James Myers calling in. Um, James was actually the guy. There was a story that broke. It got pretty big on social media, actually. And there was a story that broke about a guy who was taking his daughter to school, and 14 years ago, on VHS – that's how long ago this is. Some of the people listening probably don't even know what the fuck VHS is. But 14 years ago, he borrowed Freddie Got Fingered, didn't return it for whatever reason, got pulled over 14 years later, and then the cop kind of pulled him aside, asked if he could step out of the car – you know, because he had a taillight out is the reason he got pulled over. It wasn't like a Blockbuster set, has their own private police force to find these guys. It wasn't a Blockbuster. It was like a mom-and-pop place. But anyways, um, they ask him to step outside of the car. They say, hey, um, I don't know how to tell you this. You've got a warrant out for your arrest for not returning a movie Freddie got fingered 14 years ago. Now, if you're a cop, if you're anybody and you hear that name, you probably think it's a porn, right? If you're not familiar with the movie.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It's like, oh, Freddie got fingered. What? But anyway, so he, he didn't arrest him. I guess the cop was cool enough not to arrest him on the spot, but said you need to come down to the police station after you take your daughter to school. He turns himself in. They actually arrest him. I guess they fingerprint him and put him through the whole um, baloo of. And you know, kind of processing you through the system, and he's got a court date coming up at the end of the month. But this was a totally ridiculous story. That's why it made national headlines. It's happened in North Carolina, but this was a totally um, ridiculous story, right, guys? I mean, this is just another oh, well. way. Oh, I don't understand. How's there new statute of limitation? I mean if I that, have rob a fucking seven eleven, they can't touch me seven years later. That
3: that's what I wanted to bring up here, Nick. I, I guess a guy is coming out with a book now who says he, he's in his late thirties, maybe forties. He's abused by Africa Bambata back in the eighties when Afrika Bambata started the rap movement. And he said in New York the statute of limitations for being abused is only until the the accuser turns twenty three years old. So if the accuser was like 18 or, or 17, the statute of limitations only is for six years for being physically and sexually abused in the state of New York. But this wow. guy for a videotape, this is unreal. I always thought 15 years was the maximum for like a nonviolent or a nonviolent like mis- uh, felony. I, I guess not even for like a summary or a misdemeanor offense, in North Carolina, it's like life. I, I don't know that's that's, that,
0: freaky to me. Alrighty, cool, cool, cool. Let me go ahead and get James in here. I'm very, very happy to have him on the line. This is so cool of him to call in. James, what is up?
2: Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me.
0: No problem, man. I mean, we wanted to have you on here. We wanted to talk about this last week and didn't get to it, and I'm glad we didn't. Because this story has resonated with so many people. When I read the story, of course, I always jump and read the comment threads. And there's not one person who's irrational enough to go, well, the law's the law. He had it coming. I mean, everybody's on your side on this, right?
2: I mean, for the most part, yeah. There's a few who, who don't have all the details that kind of, you know, make me guilty before I see the judge or whatever. But other than that, yeah, when they find out, you know, all the details, they they kind of look at it like, you know, what? doesn't make yeah. sense.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let me start with this because I'm reading this article, and as outraged as I am by the arrest, and I, I did the whole setup before you called in of what happened, um, as outraged okay. as I am by this, as, as a, a waste of taxpayer money, a waste of going through the system as this is, the one thing that struck me the, when I walked away from this article was how in the fuck do you go 14 years without getting pulled over or interacting with a cop? How is this happening 14 <laughs> yeah, years later? I know.
8: <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man, I uh, and, and literally this week is the six-year anniversary that I won split custody of my 10-year-old daughter. So, I mean, I was in and out of court, you know, I was in touch with social services and lawyers and judges, and it never came up in, like, the five or six times I had to go to court over, like, a year or two span, and, um, you know, they, they do a thorough check into your background whenever you want to become a parent or, you know, you're serious about Taking care of your kids in front of you know in front of a judge and you know never came up there. I've, I've been in several license checks, three or four, maybe more over the last you know fourteen years. Never came up. Um, I was just wow. blown about it, you know, as anybody else. I was totally in shock. I thought it was a joke actually when the cops told me what was going on.
0: Well, let me kick some <laughs> silver lining to you then, and then I'll I'm going to have the Wayne and Fern chime in. As much of a pain in the ass as this whole experience is, imagine if you didn't get custody of your daughter over this. So it's kind of a good thing that nobody kind of noticed this on the radar then
2: and now you're having yeah. to deal with this bullshit now, right? Yeah, No, I totally agree. And honestly, you know, the cops, and I'm just going to say this, they were really cool. I mean, for the most part, they were quote-unquote just doing their jobs, you know, and uh, and you know, people people talk about statute limitations for this, but But really the warrant was put in 2002. So the warrant stays out there in the system pretty much, you know, until it's served. So you kind of have to rule out why that statute of limitations doesn't seem to make sense because the warrant was already already put out there. The thing is, you know, I've been to court. I've been stopped a couple times by cops for, you know, whatever moving violation they thought I did or whatever. I got lawyers for that. Got it cleared up, never brought up until the other, you know, the other week when I got pulled over, man. And it's just been, it's mind-boggling because a lot of people, I think, are worried that something like this is going to happen to them and they think it's an overreach of government, you know. And like you said, a waste of taxpayer dollars and time.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And um, that's a good point, too. Like, after this kind of thing happens to you and you realize this is a thing, this is a thing that happens to people, do you go home and, like, scour your closet for, like, how to Eat Fried Worms by Judy Bloom you borrowed in third fucking grade from the school library? Like, does this make you totally paranoid, or are you looking at this in a vacuum of a stupid, isolated incident?
2: I mean, a little bit of both, really. A lot of people have contacted me through personal, me- you know, private messages through uh, social media, like, hey, man, you know, this happened to me. It cost me $1,000 or you know, I, one lady told me a story about how she'd just been stopped, and they found out she had a video from Blockbuster 10 years ago, and they ended up charging her 300 bucks to, you know, took her to jail, charged her 300 bucks to get out of jail, and she had to pay another 300 for court costs and fees, man, and it was like, what? You know, and so I'm not the only one that's dealt with stuff like this. It just so happens that, you know, I went online with a rant about it, and people heard it, and the news got involved, and, and, and then the you know, like I said uh, earlier I was talking to one of your producers and telling telling her that Tom Green got involved personally cuz he thought it was that outrageous.
0: Yeah, and l- let me put that on the back burner cuz that's something I definitely want to talk about. Let me hit this point real quick about your video cuz I <laughs> watched it. I watched the YouTube video you cut and I was like, "Man, this video is very calm and he's not bashing the cops and he's kind of stating what happened." I'm a I'm a passionate guy. Dwayne, you're a complete fucking hothead. I feel like you can cut a video like, oh, God, blow things up, and I'm going to find the people – like, how do you keep your composure when something like this happens, and then you end up cutting a video?
3: Well, when have I ever given off that vibe? Just (laughs) give me one example of that.
0: You're giving it off right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, never never
3: mind. (laughs) Anyways,
0: Um, yeah, James, how do you um, keep your composure? And then I'll kick this over to Fern and – badger
2: yeah yeah no that's a that's a good question I I hadn't really thought about that I just man you know I've had some issues in my life where I've got upset or angry and I've made really bad decisions and after that happened I was with my daughter so I had to stay cool and I had to explain to her try to explain to her what was going on because she was really distraught she thought I was going to jail man and um so, you know, it had, her, it had her really worried the entire day at school. And, but, you know, I dropped her off and I was, you know, just in her presence, I suppose, just kind of kept me, kept my center of peace. And when I dropped her off, I just went right to the video. I mean, I was going to type it as an update on Facebook or something, but it just didn't seem like it made sense to try to put all that out there, you know, in text. So I just, like, well, I'm just going to make a video and post it. And, and, uh, yeah, just whatever. It was just kind of just coming out. I mean, I was, I was upset, but I was confused more or less, you know?
0: Well, Dee, we just watched Daddy's Home with Will Ferrell Ferrell yesterday, and it's kind of apropos to this, right? Because Will Ferrell is like most of being a parent is taking shit for your kids. Most of being a father is like just sucking it up and taking shit for your kids, right, Dee? So this is like a good thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's very
5: realistic.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't lose my cool and fucking flip out because there's other people to consider. So that's good. Those kids keep us centered. Dwayne, as somebody who – just writes about the police and the law and the government all the time, this is this is just a revenue-generating scam, right? I mean, this isn't protecting society by putting James through this nonsense, right?
3: In, in the words of one of my favorite rap groups, fuck the police. Uh, <laughs> this is just an absolute – NWA, by the way, for those of you who don't know. Um, I'm sure everyone knows. one of the – well, they most some people might not know what a VHS Our is. Our listeners are culturally savvy; they all know. Don't all insult. Right. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. Send all hate mail to me. But anyway, I, I just find this absolute ridiculous. The fact, like I was saying, about New York with with you know minors who are abused only have x amount whether warrants put out or not. It, it just this is beyond government overreach. Now, I, I, if I understand correctly, the business is now out of business too. So who, yeah. who is there an actual victim? Who is the actual victim at this point? What? I mean, I'm sure they probably wrote that off. But my most important question: How did you like the movie? Because I personally, I loved it. I love Tom Green. I love the guy from uh, American Pie, the guy who actually got fingered Freddie himself. I just love the movie. I want to know what your opinion of the movie was. If it's worth it. <laughs>
2: Well, well, honestly, to be honest, man, I don't really remember renting the movie. Uh, I mean, I basically remember the, uh, the video store, so it's kind of odd to me. I actually had to go and kind of Google the title and sort of catch up on the scenes, and I remembered the sausage scene. I don't know if you guys know, but, you know, you said you love Tom Green, but he's playing the, the song for his dad about sausages. Yeah, like yes. I remember the movie then when I saw that clip on YouTube. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's been so long, man, I you know, <laughs> Honestly, it's, absolutely it's, it's incredible. like having the
3: best sex of your life and you can't even remember it, but you're getting punished later with like a venereal disease, 10 years later. You had the best sex of your life, you got a venereal disease, can't remember the movie, can't, oh, this is a terrible. This makes it even uh, more of a travesty.
8: Yes, oh, I'm told. What? <laughs>
0: That's a good segue though cuz Tom Green actually reached out to you. Um did you know it was coming or do you just pick up the phone and he's like, "Hey, it's Tom Green." Like ex- describe how that happened and what that experience was like.
2: Well, um yeah, no that was really interesting. I uh I've been working in the um dance music EDM scene for 15 or 20 years, uh a DJ under the name Mad Influence. So I have a lot of contacts throughout the music and entertainment industry i've uh, made over the years and uh, a good friend of mine uh bobby stork is his name he just happened to take it upon himself to reach out to tom through a um uh, direct message I, I think it was on twitter uh maybe and then um he just sent Tom my cell phone number and then at one thirty in the morning man i was literally about to fall asleep and um tom green called me and as i it said australia on the screen and i'm like who is calling me from australia that's so odd And I answer the phone, and uh, and I hear him on the other line singing, "Daddy, would you like some sausage?" And man, I laughed. He laughed. I laughed. It took me a second to compose myself because I knew exactly who it was, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, he just apologized, and he couldn't believe it. He was like, "What in the hell?" And um, yeah, you know, he offered to do whatever he could. Started following me on Twitter, and and told me I could message him and keep him updated, and uh. Even offered to help out financially a little, uh, say up to 200 bucks if there was some kind of court cost or fine or something for it. But we don't think it's going to go there because, like I said, I don't have an accuser to face really, so it should get dismissed. Who would you it should...
0: even pay restitution to? Like, let's say that there is some kind of restitution. Who the hell would even receive it? This, probably the state, I would imagine. Right? Oh. Of
2: yeah i mean i I don't know my lawyer would have to answer that he would know that better than me um which by the way this this guy um a friend of mine reached out said he knew a really great lawyer and I uh, gave him a call uh his name's Adam Seifer with Seifer uh in Charlotte, and he's uh he's doing this case pro bono and wow. um it, yeah he stepped up and um the guy knows knows what he's doing man he's he's done done a really good job trying to help me. Um, you know, just figure all this out and figure out what we need to do. And uh, we're just working on trying to get the case dismissed. He said he's had um, some tough times with the the area's lawmakers, I guess the DA, um, you know, as far as trying to get stuff done. And and, um, that's one reason why this is still going to court, because they just wait until the last minute, apparently, to to see what's even going on. I guess they're overwhelmed, possibly, with cases. I don't know what's going on, but – yeah, anybody in their in their right mind, and common sense tells you this is some kind of crazy mistake, and let's just get rid of it and not waste our, our judges' time even bringing this to him. You know, you think that's what would happen, but it has not.
0: Yeah, and it should. So any chance Tom Green's showing up to court outside with a camera and making a mockery of this? Because that seems very he, Tom Green.
2: Yeah, we've heard rumors that he might actually come, man. And, uh, you know, if he does that, then my lawyer said he's going to call him to the stand, so... <laughs>
0: That is fucking amazing Fern you haven't had a chance to chime in on this What do you think about this case I'm assuming you're as appalled as anybody else right?
1: Oh yeah I had the same thought Like I'm reading through this article And I'm going Did I forget to return a library book Am I going to just get pulled over one day And go hey guess what You need to go to court You forgot to return Stephen King's It Or whatever it is Like It's so ridiculous And I I have to wonder what, like, your initial contact with your lawyer when you called him and said, "Hey, this is what's going on." What was that? Was he was he like, "Is this a joke? Are you serious?" Did he take it very seriously at first, or was was it comical to him? Like, I have to wonder what a conversation that would be like to start that conversation with a lawyer. So here's the thing about that: I didn't return a video 14 years ago to a company that doesn't exist, and I need representation. That is so ludicrous.
2: Yeah, it was something something along those lines, but he'd seen like three or four newscasts because as soon as Tom Green hung up with me, I got a phone call from the New York Daily News, and I did an interview with them, and it's just been interviews, interview after, since, you know. And, yeah. but So my lawyer had seen through the interviews what's going on, and he already had a grasp on everything. So when I when I reached out to him, he just was basically like, look, man, come down and talk to me. Um, we're going to talk to some other people and just kind of figure out what we need to do. Uh, from here on out and he's been kind of he just kind of took the reins and we've been i've just been kind of letting him uh you know uh do his thing um but i really appreciate him i mean without him i really don't know where i would be right now as far as you know what i need to be doing to get this resolved
0: dwayne which
3: um this
2: is almost
0: like this situation to me is almost worth a phone call from tom green right
3: Oh yeah, but my my he's I'm worried sick now because I can imagine there's probably a death warrant out for me for all the Columbia house and um, the other ones. Oh, the yeah, yeah, Columbia House. Yeah, Columbia <laughs> that I never paid for. There, I'm sure that there's a death warrant out for me. I, I, I'm almost certain. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that Tom Green called in and offered offered uh, uh, compensation and to help us out, maybe even we'll show up at the court. I, I just hope that this just brings attention to all the ridiculousness, the overreach of government, the bullshit that the average citizen has to go through, and how, how it points to the fact that people are supposedly commit three to four crimes a day without even knowing it by all these bullshit little nitpicky laws that we have. It's just yeah, ridiculous. It's, it's the asinine. prison
2: complex. Yeah, it's the industrial prison complex, man. they got to feed that thing. You know, it's prison for profit, dude. It's
3: you know, exactly. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, what gets me is you, if, if, if this goes to trial you have a, a douchebag judge or whatever, and you said other people have gotten fined thousands of dollars. Now, let's say this was an insurance claim, and you said I lost my Freddie got fingered uh, VHS tape in, in a house fire. You would probably get 37 cents from your insurance company, but they yeah. would charge you thousands of dollars in fines and restitution and whatnot. <laughs> I say you pay them 37 cents for the actual cost of the VHS tape and get it and we're done with it.
0: I mean, the real victim, you could say, is Tom Green because it was his movie. He should just come testify. I, I'm not pressing charges. It's yeah. my face in the movie, so you know, just make a mockery of it because this is a mockery. Yeah. All right, we we got to let you go, James. Last question: Are you at all up, um, apprehensive about the upcoming court date? I think what did you say it was the 27th? Or do you yeah, know the- this is
2: just going to be tossed? Right. <laughs> It is the 27th, and yeah, I mean, we're 99% sure that this is going to get dismissed. At worst, they're going to try to do a continuance so they can take a deeper look at what's going on. But yeah, the, I have no accuser to face if business is closed. Apparently, are more than likely, I, this is speculation that the records have been purged by this point. So, I mean, even if there was a record of me even having a rental agreement there, it probably doesn't even exist at this point. So, yeah, we're, we're no. fairly certain that this is going to be tossed right out of court.
3: You're much more right. positive than me. See, I would already be setting up to be OJ's roommate at this point. I'd already be. You would be insurance. in
0: your panic room, 12 guns, <laughs> to like Randy Clay <laughs> cutting viral videos like a maniac. All right, James, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming in. Good luck, and,
2: and,
0: yeah, and bringing attention to us, man.
2: That, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Uh,
0: all right, James, good we'll luck. be in luck. All righty, so there you have it. Pretty crazy circumstances, right?
3: I'm freaking real.
0: No joke. That's right. just, that's just nuts. Now, let me tell a quick story. Um, we had Caleb on Cyan. I'm always afraid I'm going to pronounce his name. Wrong, I'm terrible name. names. Cyan, right, D? The... Cyan. Cyan.
5: In.
0: Cyan. Cyan. Okay, we had Caleb Cyan yeah. on yeah. Kettle of Fish. I had I checked out some of his videos. I always do research and I pick out the people I think are like the funniest down to earth people. Had um, him on Kettle of Fish. Then I talked to him and he said, "Well, I'm coming to Knoxville. So I was like, all right, cool. We'll we'll have to have lunch or something. Call him the day he's coming to Knoxville. He's like, hey, I'm at the bus station. I'm not going to rent a car. I'm I'm busing in. I'm coming to the bus station. Not going to rent a car. We were like, well, cool. Do you need a ride? We um, go down to the bus station. We don't have anything to do that day. Caleb steps off the bus. We're hitting it off. He hadn't planned. He'd done a very DIY punk rock thing. He's like, I'm just coming to town. I'm just letting the winds of fate take me where they may. Um, He ended up staying with us, and we started talking politics the next day. I was on my computer doing my day job, and I was like, wow, man, you have a lot to say politically. I have got to get you on the Sunday show. And – and now he's on the Sunday show. So let's get him in. I don't know if that's an interesting real, story, but I real, real
3: quick, Nick, I'm just surprised, you know, I, I, I give this gentleman a lot of faith and humanity because most people who you meet at the airport or the bus station, they usually end up in that little leather room that you have downstairs off to the side with the chains and all that. I'm just <laughs> surprised he didn't end up there. Well, you know, we went out
0: to lunch the next day, and he was talking about meeting strange women and, like, you know, or meeting super fans. And, you, like, you got to be careful out there. And I was like, well, dude, you just drove, like, 30 miles out into the middle of the mountains with us. But he made a good point. He's like, you got a podcast. So
3: hey, did you like show a- him your, your collection of human uh, skin masks that
0: you had to? Or that no? is a second visit privilege, not a first visit. Got it. Got they come it. back, okay. they get to see that. Good All right, on. Caleb, are you with us? I'm with you. Right on. You know, um I think it's funny. Fern has never been to my house. Dwayne has never been to my house. Yet you have. You're the only one who got to see me in my PJs at my day job. Probably the only person ever outside my family who has got to see me in my natural habitat.
6: Well, uh you're 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 not that different. You're a uh, you're a pretty uh down-to-earth guy yourself. So, uh, you know, I'm 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 very privileged in that way.
3: Alright, right Caleb, on. fill the beans. Fill the beans. Does he have my little pony PJs?
6: He he doesn't have my little pony PJs. Uh it, it's it's oh. like more of a Lululemon. Type.
0: <laughs> Your fantasy <laughs> has been Dwayne. denied, Dwayne. Alright, Caleb Damn before it. we jump into the political shop talk, why don't you give everybody a little bit of background on yourself, what you're working on, and not also that I found it amazing that the family environment you come from and how you used to be so politically in one direction and now you've kind of swung into the middle. So kind of set that up for us, let everybody know who you are and what you're about.
6: Well, I grew up uh, in Georgia, uh, rural Georgia, in a really small town. My dad is a preacher, uh, still is. And uh, so I I was homeschooled until about second grade. So, you know, I grew up about as, as conservative as you can possibly be, and we're a very evangelical church, and uh, and obviously, when you're a kid, you don't really question anything. And uh, I grew up in a we we had one openly Democrat teacher in our high school, and everybody knew who he was. My parents would tell me to look out for him because he had into pro-choice or something. Anyway, so it took until until college for me to really get. uh to where I was researching things, and they're like, maybe, maybe mom and dad, maybe that wasn't a fact, maybe that was an opinion mom and dad said, and uh, so I'm still kind of working on that, uh, and then I, but I got very, very, very liberal in college, like as liberal as you can possibly be, and uh, now I'm, I'm more like, you know, some things you have to be one way on, and some things make sense the other way. So now I, you know, I try not to be prejudiced, and if the Republicans have a good idea, I won't. I won't pretend they don't, <laughs> just because just Mitt Romney said it like I used to be. But, so. Well, let me
0: ask you I'm this then. What do you think plays more into extremism? Do you think it's just con- conservative idealism, or do you think it's the fact that the evangelicals have kind of usurped this party and that they, they're they like really absolutist on a lot of issues? Because I feel like the church getting involved in politics, has kind of destroyed the fabric of the church and the fabric of the Republican Party, both.
6: Well, there's a reason that we have the separation of church and state, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd necessarily blame it on the evangelicals. I'd blame it on the higher-ups in the Republican Party who courted that group for so long and kind of sold out to, to get them. And, Amen. And uh, they found out that that kind of rots your base. Uh, Because if you really believe all these billionaire (laughs) guys who love war, and if you really think they all hate gay people, I mean, you're out of your mind. But a lot of them are like, yeah, gay marriage, no, no, no. Just because they know that's what their people want to hear. So it's it's something that I think is about to end, honestly. I I really feel like we're going to have two parties, and (laughs) we're just going to have to figure it out.
0: Well, let me ask you this question I asked you from my PJs on my couch. Being a comedian and sitting here, and you've been a very successful comedian. You've been on Conan. You've been on Last Comic Standing. You're always touring around. But being in that environment and seeing how politically aware you are, because I just figured you're an average Joe that kind of knows what's going on from the Facebook meme world. But actually being somebody who really knows a lot about a lot politically, and I had asked you, I was like, how does this not seep into your show? And uh, let's just talk about that real quick and then we'll get to the Donald Trump topic of the day. But how do you not let oh. that seep into your stand up?
6: Well, at this point, uh in my career, I'm not uh I'm I don't know if I'm ready to take a very hard stance on something. Like to me, Trump is not even political. Saying Trump's an idiot, I'm like <laughs> the dudes had a comedy central roast. I don't even feel like I'm being disrespectful. By making fun of him, but there are certain things that I don't think I I would want to delve into until I have uh, a really dedicated following, like a Patton Oswald or George Carlin or something. But at this point, I feel like I I can talk about politics, but more you know, removed and in a general sense, uh, because I, I I you know it just doesn't make a lot of sense for me to to go full left or or full right until you know I, I don't want to piss off the few fans i've made you know i'm still pretty early in my career and uh but it, it also tell
0: you forward though right like you could say something to you could tweet something totally controversial and then all of a sudden caleb sign in is on everybody's lips across the nation so it could actually help your career or it could fucking totally destroy your career as many people have had good careers tweeted something and it destroyed So it's a double-edged sword, right?
6: It is, it is. And, I, and I, I've i experienced a little bit of this but, but, because I do pretend tweets for Trump. Uh, but from what I found... Which are brilliant, by the place. way. <laughs> Thank you. But Nick, Trump's if I just fans... put that real quick. Oh, yeah?
3: Yeah go Nick, ahead. Real, real quick. before we get too off-topic here, it's funny you mentioned about the warmongers hating gays. But they're the same yeah. people who don't want gays in the military. Wouldn't it be beneficial for them if they really hated gays so much to put them in the military and send them off to Iraq or Afghanistan and have them killed?
6: Right. Well, I mean, this is exactly why I think it's rotting their base because they have very they have contradictory uh, things. Like I remember when Jeb Bush was trying to react to Trump saying we need to ban Muslims, he said Jeb Bush tried to be like well, I think we should only let Christians in the country. And they're like, well, how can you prove you're a Christian? He's like, you can prove it. And it's just things that don't, literally don't make sense. And they, they don't even try anymore because they know people will be like, that's right, we should let Christians in here. And they don't care if it doesn't make sense. But politically, you have to say things that make a little sense. And I think they're figuring out like, oh, man, our positions are completely, you know, against each other. And it's you can't sustain that.
0: True that. And, you know, I was talking to Dwayne about this. I went on kind of a psychotic vendor yesterday. I think all of you can detest to that on Facebook. And I was just going off because we're seeing this division in the Republican Party right on right hate. And and I put an article up about Bill Clinton, and he was um, confronted by BLM activists at one of his rallies. He was out there Trump, um stump oh, speaking yeah. for Hillary Clinton. And they were like, oh, you're a Bernie bot. Uh, Bill Clinton didn't lose his cool. This is just clickbait. And the whole point of the article, and I hope people who checked out my article are listening, was not to bash Bill Clinton. It was to say that you know racial tensions are so revved up in this country now, somebody is as well measured – like he measures every word he says, and he never loses his cool. For him to lose his cool? I mean, his voice was crackling because he was so upset. Oh yeah. For him to lose his cool really says something about like how the melting pot has turned into an overflowing conj- cauldron of hate at this point. And that's the point I was trying to make, but our party, the Democratic Party, is so divided over this Bernie-Hillary thing now that they're hating on each other with the same venom that the people that are Trump's crews are hating on each other.
6: Yeah, it's it's really something, and it looks like because Bernie won, what, like eight out of the last nine? Eight out eight.
0: of
6: the nine. Yeah, and they're still and saying, so, drop
0: out. <laughs> You're a joke, Bernie.
6: It might be the first time that, that I can remember. I don't even know the last But, I mean, if, if both conventions are contested, that would be insane. If if Hillary and, and Bernie are tied by convention time, that that would be unbelievable. Because the Republican one is 100% going to be contested at this point, which is – Fascinating and fun, and I can't wait to watch it. But if the Democrats can't even hold hands and get along, I mean, it's pretty sad because they're supposed to be like, "Hey, we're not the Republicans, right?" But it's looking like they're doing the making the exact same mistake.
0: hmm Okay, let's kind of mix this up. Let me get the whole panel in here, and um I want to talk about this first because this is an amazing reflection of American society. D, before I jump in, what's the number if anybody wants to call in and chime in on this?
5: Our number here, of course, is 646-478-3554, and if it takes just a moment for me to answer, then I'm probably on the other line.
0: All righty, fair enough. So here we go. You've got a poll that comes out, and this was measured by a bunch of different people, so I'm going to give you the averages. And this is the unfavorability rate of these candidates. Trump is the highest, 654 Clinton comes in at second at 54.2. Um Cruz comes in at third at 53.4. Sanders comes in fourth at uh, 42.3. Casey comes in last at you know for being unfavorable at 30%, 30.1. Now here's my question. Leading the Republican party is the most unfavorable guy nationally. Second leading is the second <laughs> most unfavorable guy. Lee, and the most favorable guy, John Kasich, has only won one state, his own state. Then right. you're looking at the other side, Hillary Clinton, 54%, Sanders 42%, same situation. So the, for the first time in history, we've got two of the most unpopular candidates in American history are the frontrunners. And let me start with Dwayne, and we'll go around the circle here, the, the drum's hippie circle. Dwayne, how the hell did this happen? How does it happen that the most unfavorable candidates are leading their nomination to get in the most votes?
3: I, I don't understand. These exit polls and everything, and that's why I stopped listening to polls years ago, especially like whenever, like even the last Obama election. they are like, well, this poll says such and such, and this poll says such and such, and they call the race with 1% in. I, I, yeah, the numbers just are unfathomable. It's either the polling people are just polling the pollsters or there's that much voter fraud that people are actually voting for these other candidates, but they're not getting any any of the vote uh, tallied. It's one or the other. So I just stop listening or even paying attention to the polls anymore. It, it just amazes me. I hear polls just the opposite, saying Trump can defeat everybody. I mean, that, there's a the poll that I just read today that says nationwide Trump had a lead over everyone, but you come up with a poll that says Trump is the most disliked. So, I mean, I just, they drive me nuts.
0: Well, and the, and the crazy thing is, somebody had said this, and I thought this was really smart of them. They said, look, we would all be, if it wasn't for Donald Trump, and most people across the board agree that he has the highest unfavorability rating, but if it wasn't for Donald Trump, everybody would be like, oh, my God, Hillary Clinton is, like, over 50% unfavorable, yet she's the front runner. But people don't even look at how much Hillary Clinton is disliked. Because of this hate on
1: everybody has for Donald Trump,
0: right Fern? this is absolutely like bizarre world at this point, right
1: I, you know to me, I look at this, it is very fascinating to watch how these unfavorability ratings are so damn high, and these are the front runners. but to me, this is just proof of how the anti vote works. You know you have somebody who says oh jesus i can 't do hillary I, you know what i, I can 't do hillary i can 't stand Hillary." I'm going to go on the other side, and Trump's the most likely candidate to get the nomination, and vice versa. I can't stand Trump, and, you know, Hillary's better than Trump, so I'm going to go vote for Hillary. And it's the anti-vote at work. It's not voting for somebody. It's voting against somebody, which some people just do. They say, you know, I'm just picking the lesser of the two evils, or I'm going to vote for this one because I don't like that one. So to me, psychologically, it seems like it's the anti-vote at work. What do you guys think?
0: Well, let me switch it over to um, Caleb then. I mean, how do you process all this that the biggest losers are actually the biggest winners?
6: Uh, well, you know, it kind of reminds me of people that have to, you know, have whips and chains or watch the ridiculous, you know, because they went too far down. And it's like the but only now, well, thing. Now,
3: hold on there. You're starting to insult some of us on the panel now. Just let, Let's keep our private lives <laughs> out of this. <laughs>
6: no, I'm saying that's what I like. That's what I like. But
3: uh Oh, then welcome aboard. <laughs>
6: but that took, you know, it took a long time. I I feel like there's certain people who they can't get out to the pole uh with, you know, missionary style sex. They need violent uh role play, like they need hatred, uh and and, you know, vitriol to get him out to the polls. And that's what's happening. People are like, you got to get out and vote or this guy becomes president. They don't, they don't go, you got to get out. This guy's really great. He's going to turn the country around. They're like, get out or the worst will happen. And Because that, that's, that's everyone's pitch. That's the pitch for every candidate. Hillary's like, oh, you've got you to vote for me. You don't, want, you don't want crazy Trump. And Trump's like, oh, you got to vote for me. And Hillary's a murderer, you know. They don't, they don't have anything to themselves that even works at this point.
0: Dwayne? I mean, is is Caleb on track, or what do you think?
3: I, I think he's dead on. I mean, it's definitely like that. I mean, I see how he, he, he compares to being desensitized with porn. You know, I started out with, you know, any type of porn would be good. Now I need a midget, 55 gallons of West Oil, and linoleum pours <laughs> I mean, without those exactly. things, I can't get off. So, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, do I love Trump to death on all topics? No. But do I think he's better than... Uh, Cruz? Yes. So do I just not vote or do I vote for Trump because I think he has a better chance against Hillary? It's, it's exactly what we're. Uh, but you're asking the wrong
0: question, right, Dwayne? If Trump drops out of the race or gets um, weeded out or whatever, do you vote for um, Cruz because he's going to stop Hillary? Of course. And if,
3: because to me, to me, he's the better option than Hillary. So, yeah, of course, I have to he's vote. More,
0: he's not more dangerous than Hillary with all of his evangelical, theological, government type ideas.
3: I'm hope and see, where I look back and I hope that, yeah, he's doing that, like Caleb said, that there's a lot of pandering. I'm hoping he's just pandering to his evangelical Christian base, and he actually sticks to what's important, like our debt, our jobs, our borders, things That's like that. That's a hell
0: of a gamble to take on the, um you know, on the future of your still children. better than That's... Hillary. It's still, to what me, it's still Hillary better than Hillary. What would Hillary do? That that Cruz wouldn't do. Like, how is Hillary more dangerous than Cruz? Let me guess.
3: Benghazi, Benghazi, gun, uh, Benghazi, gun, 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 You know me. She is so anti-gun. Her husband. I like Bill Clinton for everything except for assault rifle bill or anti-assault rifle bill. And she said she's gonna make it even stronger than what it was in '94. It got rejected under Bush. People don't want this shit, That she's so going to push it. Cruz versus Sanders then,
0: which is weird to me. I was thinking about this the other day. Everybody assumes it's going to be Cruz versus Clinton, Trump versus Clinton. And when you think about Cruz versus Sanders, it's almost like superheroes that cross into different universes, like Superman against Spider-Man. Like it doesn't even seem like something (laughs) that could fucking happen, right? That seems weird. Like Cruz (laughs) and Sanders, they're not even from the same reality base. But Cruz versus Sanders, are you voting for Cruz still? Is is Sanders more dangerous than Cruz to you?
3: In my mind, uh, they they project by the time we actually have the election, we're going to be $20 trillion in debt. So, again, I'm hoping that Cruz wanting to get the debt down and cut the spending as opposed to offering free everything to everybody, I, I still have to go with Cruz on a simple fact. If it were up to me, I wish we had a third party. I wish we had a libertarian valid third party that got media coverage that was allowed to participate in every debate and be on every ballot in every state but at this point we don't have it so me saying i'm going to vote third. who's party the libertarian, libertarian front front runner gary johnson still he's running again right.
0: again okay so gary johnson's running now here comes uh, bernie sanders all of his donations, he's out fundraising Clinton, and Clinton has the machine behind her. She has the party machine, the Wall Street machine behind her. He's out fundraising her. He's just using a Democratic ticket to facilitate him to get into the media, but that's not even happening. Yet he just took eight out of nine states. Why can't Gary Johnson build a ground game like that? What does is, what is Bernie Sanders has that Gary Johnson doesn't? Is this to me or is this to This is the to you, Delane. What is Gary John- Why can't Gary Johnson repeat the success of Bernie Sanders? Because just
3: like me, okay, you know, we've always, we've talked on the, on the phone about you know, if people hate government so much, why don't they start a revolution? Why don't they go up onto the steps of the Washington of uh, Congress and say, "I'm here to stop it." And everybody thinks they're going to be the first and only person to do it. So, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste my vote on Gary Johnson because I know my neighbor's not. Or I know Nick's not going to vote. Or I know Caleb or Ferner D's not going to vote. So why should I waste my vote? I'm going to vote for the, the least shitty of the two that I have that have a viable chance. And that's why. No, so it's our fault, then. Thought, it is. It is. It is the people. If more people thought third party gave it a chance, listened to what they had to say, and voted... Thinking that their candidate can win, not that their candidate doesn't have a snowball's chance to tell, which I'm guilty of, then maybe Gary Johnson would have a chance. But still, I, I look at it like what are the odds? I took probability Mormon Supreme, baby. School. Exactly. I love probability statistics, and to me, the probability of him getting elected is still
0: too slim to waste the vote. How very Mr. Spock of you. All right, let me ask this to Fern, because this is very interesting to me. Um, They did a poll to Trump supporters, and they said if Trump dropped out of the race, let's just take out all the – they're going to force him out. Let's say he legitimately lost or dropped out of the race, who would you vote for, Cruz or Kasich? And a great deal of them, the majority of them, said Kasich. And I find it funny that the people who are voting for Trump – to stick it to the system, to tear down the system, instead of going for the guy who would be second most likely to take on the system and turn it down and throw a monkey wrench in the system, they would skip Cruz and go to the moderate who's going to be more establishment and play more by Washington's rules. And you had a very, um, I thought, very smart theory on why this is, Fern. Why are people skipping Cruz, except for the evangelicals, why are they, Why are people who are Trump supporters skipping over the second guy who's going to blow shit up and going right to the moderate? Why not go to the moderate to start? With?
1: Well, I hope I'm giving you the same answer I did. But um, you know, to me, it's this is a, the success of the Trump campaign to feed into the fears and the emotion of the voters and you know their paranoia um, and their emotion. <laughs> So if Trump drops out, then they use their backup which is logic, intelligence, and said, you know, all right, Kasich's a reasonable guy. He's willing to work with people, he's got experience, he's a two term governor, he's, you know, helped balance a budget.
0: A he's, successful dude, a very yeah, successful. Yes, very successful. Governor, so
1: once you take the emotion out of it then the actual logic kicks in. And and I'm not convinced that all of these people, these Trump supporters don't already have those thoughts. I think they just push it out because their fear and their emotion overrides their. Well, why can't Cruz
0: it... capture that energy? Why can't Cruz capture that fearful, emotional energy? Why does it skip Cruz? Is he just so distasteful, personality-wise, that like I mean, Trump's got it in space, personality-wise over Cruz. Are they just, Is Cruz just so unlikable that people won't even entertain Cruz, no matter what his platform is? Yeah, he.
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Kayla, you want Caleb. to jump in on this? Is this the Cruz factor? Is Cruz just unelectable because he is just – I mean, he's the kid in high school you just wanted to punch in the face every day. The smirky, um, go behind your back, like, like always like, hey, teacher, I, aren't you forgetting to hand out homework today? I mean, Cruz is that kid, right?
6: Yeah. he His positions would be so much more popular because there's people who can't stand that guy who are going to vote for him just because – They like what he would like to do, but he is one of the least likable candidates, and it's not his fault. You can't help how likable you are, and he was just born that way, poor guy. But, uh, I mean, he would be doing so much better. There would not be a Trump if Cruz had a likable bone in his body, which he just doesn't, and there's no cure for that.
0: Well, I disagree. I think that you if, you, if it's important to you to be likable, you can work on it authentically. You can evolve as a human. And, I mean, I've had to evolve as a human. Well, I used to be off-putting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're the biggest case for that, right?
3: <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> uh, I don't see it as much as you do, but yeah, you say it's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, you've actually flipped out on guests on this show before, and you've come a long way, Dwayne. Yeah, I have. You, I have. You I probably do don't get an hate mail
3: or anything. No, I don't. And going back toward Nick, it, it, Caleb, if you knew Nick as a child like I did, you would think that we would never even be speaking at this point. Here, here, he's one of my best—he's my best friend. And it's funny how you can change. I mean, you truly can. Nick was very unlikable in, in middle school and whatnot. <laughs> You're I a, you I still
0: don't. I I hung out with Dan and a bunch of people. I wasn't unlikable to everybody. Why was I so unlikable to you and others?
3: Because <laughs> you were the class I told you a lot of times I was actually jealous Because you got a lot more of a class of Even though you were edgy People still thought you were funny When I tried to do it They disliked it completely So I, it, that's why I didn't like
0: you Alright <laughs> Well I'll take that criticism I, I, You know I welcome their hatred As FDR said or I think it was Teddy Roosevelt I welcome their dislike Alright let's move on to the next subject I love you I, now
3: though If it's yeah. amazing I love you now
0: you love me so much now, it makes up for all the hatred you had for me as kids. Exactly. It's kind of scary how intense your man love is for me.
3: All right, let's move on to the next topic. i it
0: down. Um, Fern, I'm going to let you yes. point on this. What is going on with this ridiculous? Students are, are threatening victims of, of people writing in shock, hail Trump or whatever.
1: Yes, this, you know, I started digging into this story and realized that this is now the great chalk plague of 2016. Um,
3: chalk gate? It would
1: be fair yes, to call it chalk, chalk gate. gate. Exactly. Yes. Everything well, has to be a gate. This started as one campus, and originally this story was just like hey, this is what's going on in Atlanta, Georgia on the Emory campus. Um, some of the kids woke up to Trump messages being written all over the campus on the sidewalk Vote Trump, Tr- Trump 2016. And they took it as a personal affront. They felt threatened that it represented his xenophobia and his bigotry, and they felt very much threatened by these chalk messages that were spread around campus. So what they did was they organized a 40-man protest, and they took their concerns to the president, Jim Wagner, of the uh, campus. And initially, President Wagner said, okay, this does not uh, conform with the values of diversity And respect that Emory College holds uh, There will be repercussions Just his name Yeah just his name,
3: well, yeah, just his name in 2016 Let, your Go your ahead Dwayne report, report accurately There was not one man or one person With a set of testicles in that group Who went to complain They were all fucking pussies It was a 40 pussy complaint group Not a man group
1: so anyway <laughs> thank you for that. No, but what he what he did was he originally said, Look, this isn't cool, we're gonna have repercussions for this. Then he decided he decided to kind of fall on the side of free speech and he actually went out and wrote on the campus, um, Emory stands for free expression. So he kinda took up for being able to, you know, write things like this in chalk and it's not really that bad. The problem that I found is this has actually evolved and not just one campus, this is now nationwide. There's stuff springing up everywhere. And I want to read you some of the stuff that's actually being written.
0: We need to pull kids out of college. They can't be exposed to this. (laughs)
1: In this one incident, I think that the students were a little out of control to say they feel threatened. But what's coming up now is in the University of Michigan, they are now getting chalk messages saying stop Islam with other pro-Trump slogans. And now the most recent one it was in the University of California, Santa Barbara, where they had Trump build the wall 2016. That's not that bad, right? Um, Obama is a Muslim, The wall just got 10 feet higher, and Mohammed fucked children. This is the shit that's bringing up now. And I've got a list of colleges across the country as about a dozen to two dozen colleges where this stuff is starting to spring up. So this this has gone and evolved from just a little slogan to actual hate speech. I was surprised to see that it really evolved like this. There's
0: people online on Facebook who say we should kill the president. I mean, you can look at that and not flip out. How I, I don't understand how somebody can look at something written, unless it's written directly to you, like I'm coming to your house at midnight to strangle you. How anybody can look at somebody writing something stupid and flip out? How is that affecting them? I mean, it's out there. Good. Like I told people a long time ago, I don't censor people on this show because whoever you are, that's who you should be. And I, at one time somebody came on here and said some racist shit, and a couple of my black friends had written back, it was like, how dare you not hang up on them? And I was like, what, well, you want to go back to the days where people just like told racist jokes at the water cooler and then when you walked in the room everybody got quiet and started talking about Seinfeld reruns? Or do you want that <laughs> shit out there so we can all see it and then maybe somebody will hear this woman say this and then be like, hey man, I heard you on the ignorance equation. I thought that was pretty fucked up. And maybe she'll get shamed for her racism. I don't believe in covering this stuff up. So let them write whatever they wanted, chalk. If the Trump campaign has done one thing, it has showed me which one of my friends are truly racist assholes. So there's the plus side, and I'm glad I know that now. Right, Caleb?
6: Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think the information, because people think, oh, Trump's going to win because people are so dumb. And I'm like, no, we're no dumber. Just every dumb person is cataloged now, and they're broadcast now. We we know who, they used to just not bother anybody and just stay in their old dumb house, but now we know who they are and, and the news is looking for them. They're like round up some dumb people, whatever you want tonight, uh, get some Trump voters uh, and and let them talk for an hour. It's, so we just know about it now. I don't think people are that much. People are a little dumber, but not enough for Trump to be president. I have other. I hope you're are.
0: right. All right. Let's move on to the next subject. I don't want to give this chalk thing too much credence because it's not even worth time. It's so silly. I want to talk about the abortion thing. I wrote um, Trump's abortion comments. I actually wrote a couple articles about this. And um, So here's what I don't understand. This was the first thing I didn't understand. I'm going to have Dee kind of clarify something here in a second. So you got Trump. He goes on Chris Matthews, and I saw the original interview. And Chris Matthews kind of cornered him. Let me be fair. Chris Matthews kind of put him in a situation where he had to answer in a way that was going to be combustive. Uh, But let me tell you what's surprising to me. So Chris Matthews, like, drilling him on abortion. Because Trump has changed his abortion opinion since 2011. He used to be pro-choice. Now he's pro-life. And he said, listen, if abortion became illegal – if it became the federally illegal across the land and a woman got an abortion, should she have some kind of penalty? Should she have some kind of punishment? And Trump said, yes, there should be a consequence, a legal consequence for women who get abortions. And everybody was outraged by this. Ted Cruz was outraged, a guy who doesn't want the life of the mother. To come into consideration in abortion. A guy who wants people who are victims of rape and incest to have their babies said, Of course not, you can't punish the mother. And and even pro life, um, a woman came on the next night on Chris Matthews from March of Life, and she's like, Of course we don't want to punish the mother. She can't be held responsible if she illegally gets an abortion. And this was mind blowing to me. Like I had never thought about this. And I was like, Okay, you want to make abortion illegal, and you think abortion is murder. Yet, the person that commits the murder and breaks the law, you don't want them to suffer any consequence. And this was fairly – I was fairly blown away by this, how you can have these two ideas. Like even Matthew said, don't you believe um, abortion is murder? Yes. Well, the person who's facilitating that murder, who comes into the abortion clinic and says murder my baby, you don't want them to have a consequence? No, because they've been through enough already. And D – is it and I asked you to look this up. Isn't it illegal to self-abort? Like I always thought it was illegal to stick a clothes hanger up you and self-abort. So I don't it understand is. why. So why wouldn't it be illegal to walk into an abortion clinic if abortions were illegal? And, and I, I'm so confused by this. Can somebody clear this up for me?
5: Um, why is I mean, why it is
0: Why is Trump's statement? Uh, let me go to Fern first. Why is Trump's statement so outrageous? That he says, if this is illegal, we should prosecute the person. And if you say, well, it's a woman's body, then why should I go to jail for smoking crack? Why not only the dealer? I'm only the guy who's taking the crack into my body. It's my body if I want to take the crack and smoke into it. I mean, isn't that the same thing to say that, well, it's my body. If I want to abort, I can't be arrested. Only the doctor should be arrested? Like, this makes yeah. no sense to me.
1: The, the thing to me is, though, the way the question was phrased, it's an illegal abortion so if they're doing something that is illegal then there should be accountability for it i actually agree with trump on that believe so it or not I. and you know crack is illegal if you get caught possessing crack or smoking crack you're going to jail or at least going to court so if this is an illegal act then i i don't understand how he managed to piss off both sides i, I just that's what, only that's donald what, trump what could what do I'm, that what i'm trying
0: what, to and John Kasich was like, wow, Donald Trump's the only guy who can unite pro-life and um, pro-choice people, and that's what I'm getting to. And I'll get to all his backpedaling and stuff, which is complete bullshit. But why Why is what Trump said, oh, if these women commit a crime, then they should be held to account. Caleb, why is this outrageous to the pro-life people? I thought they would be on board with this. I was shocked they're not. <laughs>
6: well, I do think uh... – <laughs> Uh, a little of it is what we were saying earlier. Where I don't know if they're that outraged, but they're they know how fiery of an issue abortion is. So yep. if they could find a way to use this as a way to end Trump, because people, nothing makes people matter quicker than the abortion debate. People get very very fired up about it. Uh, so a lot of people are one issue voters about that issue. A lot of people I know, and so I think they're like, oh, this is our chance. Let's pretend that we're way madder about this and we can maybe put a dent in his numbers. Uh but I do think some of it is legitimate and I think some of it shows you how complicated the abortion uh debate is. It's not just a black and white thing because it why would you if you think it's murder you don't want people punished for murder. Obviously you don't really think it's murder because if you did you would want them punished, right? Probably with the death penalty. But Are you, you don't surprised really by think this? that.
0: Like I was blown away that this person from the head of March of Life, a pro-life group, was like, "Of course," and they said in such a way of, "Like, of course, that's crazy. Why would we want the woman punished for murdering her baby?" Like, did you know prior to this being in an evangelical um, upbringing that evangelicals don't want the woman punished for murdering her baby? They just want to stop. Well,
6: I don't know if they would thought about it till now. Until Trump said, "Let's hurt, let's punish these women," I don't think they're like, "Wait a minute, what?" And I think they might accidentally, Trump might accidentally affect people's opinion. Uh, And people might be like, you know what, maybe this is complicated. Maybe we should have some compassion for these women. Maybe they're not evil murderers, you know. Maybe this is between them and their doctor and not me and the government. So Mm -hmm. I think it might have been a good thing. Not that Trump's a guy, but he may have stumbled.
3: You you know what amazes me, though, is, Nick, you and Fern are both, well, if it's the law, Yes, these women should be punished. You know, if I'm smoking crack, I should be punished if it's illegal. But yet you both give illegal aliens a pass and say we should just forget the law well, and welcome stop, stop, them. Stop, stop.
0: When have I ever and given man, we'll the illegal immigrants a pass? Did I not tell that story about me and Alzon? From 20 years but ago? you
3: said that it would be better. There's no way we can deport them. There's no way we can do it. There's no way, you know, we're, it's better to give them Not 11 million empathy. people.
0: You've got to pick and choose and be pragmatic. The people who They're are illegal. here. But they fell through the cracks. They're you, not here. Okay, you a, can't
3: do it all at once. Okay, you, you pulled over for a, a traffic offense and you pulled over or they stopped because they applied for a job. They're staying outside of Home Depot. It's not that hard. In a couple of years, 12, 11 million will be gone. So why not? Why not enforce that law? If you're not gonna, if you're gonna enforce the woman who should, because you've got
0: to play it against the consequence of the economy and what the outbreak. I mean, of course, you can't just take 11 million people and deport them, especially the ones that are playing by the rules. And you're just talking about someone who didn't cross their T's
3: and dot their eyes.
0: Um, no, back. they let's
3: cheated be, and they broke the law.
0: Let's stay on course here. I don't want uh, this. Isn't an immigration show. We did a show about that. No, but, about but you're saying we,
3: if, you, if it's, you're breaking the law, okay, there's 100.6 million abortions in, in 2011, 1.06 million abortions. Is it beneficial if we put all those women in jail then? How's that going to hurt the economy and the system and everything else? But it'll 0, be 0, a 6 different ballgame
0: once it's illegal. Once it's illegal, they won't be going to doctors as much, and it'll be a totally different conversation. But we can't be so strident and so hard headed in our views that we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater either. And say, well, I don't give a damn what it's going to do to the economy or how impractical this is. I mean the the law is not supposed to be so black and white. Why I am a rule of law guy, I'm also not a Nazi about it. I'm not an absolutist. I never have been. Fern, I want to get back on the topic of actual abortion. Is is this – should the woman be held to account and also – when he said, should the man, when Matthew said, should the men have any responsibility in this? Like if a man's pressuring a woman, you better get an abortion. I ain't raising that kid. If you're going to hold the woman account, why are you not going to hold all parties for conspiracy of murder? Why is he not called?
1: Uh, well, and, and therein lies. Can you prove that he is the one pushing her? or I mean, can you, do you have proof of that? So perhaps there should be some accountability there too. But this is exactly why personal choice issues should not be – Legislated. I mean, you can't, to make this illegal is to tell somebody what they can and cannot do with their body. I am oh, very pro-choice. Yeah, well, they do do it with drugs. But, but, you know, I do believe in life and conception. I do not agree with abortion. I am anti-abortion as far as a personal choice for myself. But I should not be pushing my feelings onto somebody else and what they can do with their body. So that's why I am pro-choice. Um, you know, as much as I disagree with it, I'm not going to judge somebody else or try to step in their shoes. I mean, I grew up in a very Christian environment, um, and, you know, I was taught all the same types of things, but it's not for me to decide what somebody else's position is or what they're going through. This is a choice that a woman has to make. It's not like, am I going to have a bagel or a bran muffin for breakfast? <laughs> bran muffin. This brand is muffin. huge. The emotional I think you should and be physical.
6: punished for having a bran muffin. Yeah, I agree
0: that. with Caleb. Let's get some activism going on that end, Caleb. Let's start a group. <laughs> I
3: think so if you, you eat miss, enough of if, them, you, you will be our, punished,
1: but that's besides you the, point. the whole
3: backstory On this, A few sh- episodes ago, we were had yeah a discussion on how it came up about anal sex and how brand muffins are are, are beneficial to doing that, so that's why it's an inside joke, too. You be careful. Oh. <laughs> it should have stayed an inside joke, Dwayne. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
1: All right, so the, I guess the thing is, though, if it's illegal, the, the issue is the legality of it. Is it illegal? If it's illegal, then there has to be some sort of repercussion for it, just like drugs. I don't agree with it being illegal. Um, but when you start looking at the technicalities of it, then if they're performing an illegal act, they are. The, the problem I have is you make abortion illegal – women are going to do it anyway just like making drugs legal they're going to do it anyway they'll find them but the difference is is this could this could kill the mother if they're oh, doing more. this in an environment that's not safe sanitary in a way that should be done it's it's going to be devastating. More so,
0: terrifying to that as well is in the countries where it is illegal, you have to report your miscarriages, and then you have to go through a very invasive process to prove that your miscarriage was legitimate and you didn't chuck yourself down the stairs. And that is a huge breach of privacy. So that leads down you, a very oh, scary yeah. road, right? Yeah.
1: All right. Oh, yeah. That's government comments. invasion right there.
0: Let me show Trump's bipolarism, or maybe this is him just not understanding the issue. And, I mean, dude, Trump, like I had said in that article, I was like, Trump was pandering to a, to a group so extreme that it doesn't even exist. And in the backlash, like he was like, I want to pander these people who just want to put women in the gulag who get an abortion. And that, 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 that demographic didn't even exist. So then he comes out the next day, and, and this is the press release. It's like, the issue is unclear. And I should be – it should be put back into the states like Ronald Reagan. You know, Whenever in doubt you you, um, invoke the name of Ronald Reagan, it's like the word Shazam. It's like Captain Marvel. He gets in trouble to Shazam. (laughs) If you're a Republican and you get in trouble, just say Ronald Reagan, and it will get you out of your mess. Ronald Reagan. Um, I'm pro-life with exceptions, which I have outlined numerous times. And then later on that day, he comes out and says – if Congress were to pass legislation making abortion illegal, and the federal courts upheld this legislation, and any state were permitted to ban abortion under the state's federal law, the statement says the doctor or any other person performing an illegal act upon a woman would be held legally responsible, not the woman. Okay, so then he totally backpedals and says, women, I love women, I'm Donald Trump, women are great, everything's great, <laughs> don't want to do anything to women. Then he comes out the next day, like he's just like, oh, well, people didn't like that. Uh, the laws are set now on abortion, and that's the way it's going to remain until they're changed. Very astute. The laws will remain the same until they're changed. Thanks, Donald Trump. Um, well. <laughs> I would have preferred state rights. I think it would have been better if it were up to the state. but right now the laws are set at this moment. The laws are set, and I think we have to leave it that way. Then he comes out and says the next day um, – on April, no, later on that day, on April 1st – that if he was president – He would change the law through judicial appointments and allow the states to protect the unborn, and nothing is new or different here. Caleb, everything is new and different here. He is taking every position on abortion that you could take, right?
6: Oh, yeah. Well, I think he reminds me of, like, like kings of (laughs) empires who would literally kill messengers because he just seems to take whatever position literally suits his mood. Because four abortion positions in the same day—I don't know anyone who's ever even slightly evolved their abortion uh, position. People are so certain about how they feel about abortion, and I've I've never heard anybody reverse or even change their opinion slightly. So that's very strange. That that doesn't like register with me. How can you change the way you feel about abortion at all? Much less four times in three days.
0: I mean, you don't change your opinion about Apple Jacks this much in one day, about Pop Carts. And and Donald Trump, but this is Donald Trump doing what Donald Trump does, right? This is him chasing whatever he thinks public opinion is, because it's about winning, and we're going to win. And I'm going to say whatever it takes to win. Hey! And this is about him just pandering and pandering and pandering, but he couldn't quite get his footing. He didn't know what the most popular position was going to be. So he's like, I'm just going to keep digging until I strike oil, until I strike political. You, you oil. sounded
3: like Josh Travolta and Welcome Back Carter there. He didn't sound like Donald Trump. He sounded like Josh Volta. I am terrible. And Mr. Carter. Another great guy.
0: <laughs> somebody who fucking hates hypocrites, who hates panderers. How can you back Donald Trump In this four time Like he backpedaled on the position That he originally changed horses In midstream on Like he has backpedaled his backpedals On this and doubled down on his triple downs How can you possibly Be in Donald Trump's camp on this abortion issue
3: Because he's going to make America great Again and build a a 30 foot wall
0: (laughs) I mean is there
3: any other Is there any other Things I should be worrying about No. I look, I've told you this before I look at him just like I, He's not a politician But he has to play the political game And just like Caleb said They, they go to their base Trump doesn't really have a base He has like just the general populace A mix, mismatch of everybody that, that is supporting him Or not supporting him So he has to play the game He has to say Well this is my stance But then this is my stance This is my stance This is my stance to play the fucking game, he has to do it because our political system is so screwed up. We only have two parties. You have the you have the Ted Cruzes out there. That it's it's a it's death even if you wear a condom because you know Catholics believing more in condoms is killing uh, a baby because that sperm is the the seed of life. So, I mean, got those, So he has to try to play this game to try to get. It's support. And, and I, I feel bad that he has to do it. But, you know, I think his most honest, truthful answer was with Chris Matthews. If it's illegal, then there has to be repercussions. But then he got backlash from every fucking buddy. So the polls and whatnot and his advisors say, well, Donald, you have to change this, or you have to say this to do that, and you have to do this. It's just a fucking game. Yeah. I Would think you what you said first. I think what he said yeah. first the first words out of his lips, I think that's what he truly means and that's his opinion, but then he has people of the scene say, Well, that didn't go along with this demographic, so you have to say that and then the next thing somebody will say, Well that poll didn't work out so you gotta go and say this. It's just
5: a political fucking game. Well, part of that you remember when he first actually before he even uh ran started to run, he flat out said he would say anything he had to. And he said politicians say anything they have to to get elected, and that, you know, why would he be any different? So, I mean, isn't it possible that that's exactly what he's doing because he knows business and he knows how to get where he wants to be in business? And I agree
3: with you. I think that's where the backpedaling comes from. But I think his true feeling, most people, if you put him on the spot you ask him a very important or, or political, politicized question or whatever – their first response is usually how they freaking feel about the topic. So I believe that his first responses, you know, are how he feels, and then he has to go back and do damage control because this poll said this or this target group said that, and his advisors are telling him, well, you got to change this, you got to change that. But every politician does do it. I have yet to meet one politician that does this lie. I have yet
0: to meet one. Yeah, but Trump was supposed to be different. Your whole argument was Trump wasn't going to lie. Trump wasn't going to pander. Trump wasn't going to chase votes. That he was going to be Trump and let the chip fall where they may. And now Trump has become a politician. And you're like, well, of course he has. And I love Trump because he's a smart politician. Well, no, he's
3: like, he's I only I, changed I, positions. But now I, I think it's more the people in the background telling him, hey, you've got to say this. You've got to say that. You've got to come back and do this. You've got to do damage control. Trump doesn't listen, listen
0: to anybody. Don't try to pander this off this, or push this off on somebody else.
3: Trump doesn't Trump listens no, to Trump. Trump He's his has own people, foreign policy advisor. And he but he has advisors even in his businesses. He has that's why he has vice presidents. That's why he has other people working on him. He takes their he takes their advice and he listens to him. He truly does. And I just think that, you know, this is new to him as far as running for politics. He's got these behind the scenes people saying, Hey, look, you should have said this, you should have said that. That's why he comes off the company and says whatever the fuck he feels, and then he gets beat up for that, too. So, I mean, I don't know what he, he can do. All right. Well, Trump has painted himself in a corner
0: in that region because if he, if he, if he moves too far moderate, then he's going to lose his base that's never voted before because he's not being as crazy and entertaining. But if he stays crazy and entertaining, he can never win the general election. So I agree with you there. Let's move on to this. So, Corey – I'm going to butcher this name. Lenin Dolsky was arrested for um, assaulting Michelle Fields. She was from Breitbart, so this is a right-leaning magazine. This is not left-leaning. And let me, let me give you the legal definition, the legal standard of pandering, or not a pandering, of no, battery, a simple batter, battery here. And I don't even understand how this is against the law. So simple battery, any action, and intentional touching – or striking of another person against a person's will, which when can you strike somebody that's not against their will? Spike club? Like, that's stupid on its face anyways. Or spank me, baby. spank me. Yeah, exactly. Or the intentional causing of bodily harm to another person. So if me and you are hanging out, Dwayne, and I, like, grab your soldier in a manly bonding gesture, like, yeah, Dwayne, you're a good friend, I've committed simple battery and I could be arrested.
3: Let's go to exactly. Kate's no, real, real, real quick, though, but when I said spank me, baby, spank me, I wasn't adding to your dialogue. I was asking you to spank me. I just want to make that clear.
0: Okay, um, get with me after the show. We'll set something up.
3: Caleb.
8: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, for, Before we even dig into what happened with Trump's campaign manager and this Breitbart uh, reporter, Michelle Fields, how is this even against the law if you touch somebody? I remember once I was in court for something unrelated, and a person that was in court – um, actually got sent to jail And he was from out of state Him and his girlfriend got into a fight Like at a, K- at a Kmart And he called her to B word And um, the judge was like He was in there for verbal abuse For verbal assault That's what the charge was Verbal assault And he put the guy in jail How is calling somebody a name Or even just touching him, Like hey Caleb Like I touch you on the back What's up brother How is that against the law I don't understand this law So let's dissect well, I... that before we move
6: on I think that it is a thing that they, the people in charge want to do. They, it's everything. Everyone, um, if you can find a way, everything, something elite. That's the point. Uh, Caleb, we're losing today. you. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. You're breaking you're up really bad. Are you on a headset or something or on a Bluetooth?
6: No, I'm, I'm, on my, I'm just on my phone.
0: Okay, you sound good now. Go ahead with what you're okay. saying. The simple battery. How is this against law? How is this a standard? Well,
6: I think they just they want because there's sometimes where you got nothing on somebody, but you want to you know throw them in jail. So if you can find a way to make almost everything illegal, you know, in a way, uh, then you can get the people you want in jail in jail. So if all you got is well, he did touch that guy on the shoulder. Uh, If we can find a way to make technically an unwanted shoulder touch illegal, we can throw the book at this guy. You know, it's like they got Al Capone for tax evasion, you know. Yeah. It's a
3: moneymaker. It's a moneymaker. If you make every goddamn thing illegal, like I said earlier in the show, all of us commit at least three crimes a day without even knowing it. So it's also a moneymaker. How many crimes do you think we've
0: committed on this show, Dwayne?
3: Uh, I don't even want to uh, – you know what? I'm pleading the fifth on this. Does that still apply? Can I still plead the fifth, or is that constitution? I think up? it's
0: been whittled down to the second now. You can only plead no. the second. Okay.
3: Burn, okay. I
0: plead the second then. Come get me. <laughs> if somebody called you a stinky poopy head, would you have them arrested for verbal assault? I think you could. <laughs> no. I really think you could. Problem I think I would slander. make them a
1: stinky poopy head at that point. I mean, this this, yeah, this
0: standard – is just Caleb. This standard is just so ridiculous, right? This this is impossible. Yeah. Everybody touches everybody all day long.
6: Yeah, I mean, there's but you know, I guess there's there's got to be a way to you know, if someone does it really inappropriately, there has to be a way to make that illegal, I guess. But it's it's just odd because then technically, if you got a good enough lawyer, uh, you could you could just get anyone in jail. But I mean. I guess well, that's why he's good, a good lawyer. I don't know.
3: This show is terrifying me. Okay, I already got a death warrant out for my Columbia house. Now I'm going to be put in jail for self-battery of myself two times a day. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: All right, well, let's yeah. switch gears here. I want to talk about this arrest of um, Trump's campaign manager. And, okay, so here here's my take on it. If you listen to the audio, and I think this was the most disturbing thing about the whole situation. If you listen to Michelle Fields and the audio that happened directly after, and she's like, oh, my God, next to my father dying, this was the most horrible thing that's ever happened. And I'm just thinking, like, this is the most horrible thing that ever happened to you. And, of course, she's going full-blown drama queen. It's like when a six-year-old gets smacked by another six-year-old, and they're like, they broke my arm, and they flip out. There's a lot of that in this, but here's what pisses me off. So they confront Corey Lenagoski or whatever his name is, and they say, you know, she's accusing you of assault, and they have to go to the tape and play the tape, and before they play the tape, he says, never heard of the woman, never met her. Now, I feel like all that had to be done is he just had to publicly apologize. Hey, listen, things were heated. He just had to acknowledge her. She's a woman. She just wants to be acknowledged. He, he, she just wants her feelings acknowledged. Hey, I'm sorry. I, I meant to just gently put you in the other direction to get you away from Trump, which she wasn't even asking anything controversial. She's a Republican reporter. And, you know, I didn't realize I grabbed you so hard. I apologize. Totally would have diffused the situation. Instead, he doubles down and says, she's crazy. She's an insane person. Never seen a woman in my life. Knowing there's going to be fucking – there's always videotape. I don't understand cops who still shoot people. There's always videotape. You can't do anything without being taped now. Fern, couldn't he defuse this whole thing just by saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm sorry. Things got heated. I didn't mean to grab her so hard. I apologize, Michelle Fields. And everybody would have went back. Now she's quit Breitbart for not having her back. According to her, she was flung to the ground and almost – Like, you listen to her, it's like she was almost, like, gang-beaten by a 100 angry Trump fans. This is such a non-issue. How did it even become an issue?
1: Well, first, I want to just go back real quick. I believe I misspoke earlier when I said I was pro-life. I'm actually pro-choice. I think my mouth was going ahead of my brain, so I want to just correct that real quick. Um, But anyway, uh, this situation, it, it bothers me because when I watch the videotape, And I see where he grabbed her. She actually tweeted the bruises on her arm where she said he grabbed her. And from what I could see in the video, he grabbed her up towards the elbow where her bruises were down more closer to her wrist. Are you saying
0: she self-inflicted her wounds just to be uh, able to charge the guy? Because that seems like a stretch for a professional.
1: I'm saying that from where her bruises are and where I saw him grab her in the video, it doesn't seem to match up, and I don't know why that is. Maybe I just didn't get a clear shot or whatever, but it it looks a little hinky to me. And she never looked like she lost her balance. She never looked like she was ready to fall. She didn't look like she was, you know, abused in in that – kind of description that she said but also he's at fault he can't sit there and say I don't know who this person is and expect there to be no fallout for that I mean he shouldn't be putting his hands on a woman anyway so he should have just come out and said I'm sorry it was aggressive it was a heated moment I was just trying to protect Mr. Trump you know I I publicly apologize and let it die
0: Dwayne, am I being a little bit optimistic where I, where I say if the campaign manager just would have validated Michelle Fields' feelings and said, hey, look, just what Fern said, I got things got heated, I didn't mean to grab you like that, I apologize, that this wouldn't have gotten to an arrest, or was it always going to get to an arrest with Michelle Fields because, like you said, she has a history of this, or could he have diffused this whole thing by not calling her a fucking crazy person all over Twitter? I mean, he did make things worse, no. right, by doing that.
3: No, um, I agree with stinky, poopy head for the most part. <laughs> <Not for her. laughs> um But the thing is – Assault. Assault. I think you yes. need to get yes. off the air. Uh, yes. We're
1: calling the police now. You'll be hearing from my lawyers. All right. All
3: right, damn it. But uh, according to the law, she actually committed a felony by touching Trump first and had the Secret Service grabbed her or pushed pushed her away, grabbed her arm like Corey did, they would have been a lot rougher for touching a uh, a presidential campaign, uh, or I can't think of the word, uh, a person running for for president under Secret Service protection. They would have slammed her to the ground, arrested her, whatever. She's lucky that Corey only just grabbed her arm. And And it does go back to where I guess she has, Years of falsifying reports, people hacking into her computer, people stalking her, people attacked her, people did this. And it's basically, from what I'm reading, it's her way to get her 15 minutes of fame. So she 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 did this, made a big stink out of it. But like I said, if, if she, the Secret Service had been one step ahead or behind or close to her than Tori was, she would have been frayed to the ground in nothing. She played this feminist victim. I card. Oh, he's couldn't disagree with you more. Let's let Caleb
0: kind of split the difference here. Caleb, if the campaign manager just came out instead of saying she's a crazy person, I've never even met this woman or heard of her, and just said, hey, look, I'm sorry things were heated, and I just grabbed you a little bit more forcefully than I wanted to, would of it if this just ended in a handshake and life would have gone on as normal?
6: Well, that we, well, we wouldn't be talking about it. Fox News wouldn't have had a story all day. I mean, it's. I think. I suspect everything now. I'm like, I'm not even totally sure this thing really happened. People are getting a lot of airtime out of it, but I am a little shocked that 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 he would just go and say that she was crazy. I mean, that's not like you're a professional. That's it's not very professional to go out and say that. I, that's a little surprising, even if it's true. So it's Especially in a
0: time of Hillary Clinton running for office, and if Bernie Sanders says you're unqualified, and all of a sudden he's a sexist, or if Bernie right, Sanders yeah. says, um, I don't like the tone of Hillary Clinton's voice, then she's a nagging shrew. Like in, a, in, a, in, an, in an era right now, the, this cycle where you cannot say anything, sorry ladies on the panel, anything remotely um, that can be seen as an insult to the female gender, coming out and saying this person's a cra- this woman's a crazy person, probably isn't smart politics,
8: right?
0: Can we no, at least all agree smart. on that? Dwayne, can we at least agree on that, or is he, uh, is that what no. the smartest thing that ever happened ever in the history of I, anything? I
2: appreciate
3: I appreciate the honesty. You know me, Nick. I don't hold back. If I see somebody's crazy and saying, I'm going to call them out. Like the the honesty of switching abortion
0: positions four times in forty-eight hours, right? Like that kind of honesty. Yeah, yeah,
3: that kind of. But I mean, if if somebody comes, if you know somebody who 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 might you know, runaway claims abuse. To me, that's crazy. That's like those college kids claiming they needed a safe space because they felt physically and emotionally threatened by Trump. Trump. That that to me is crazy. That's that's not the functioning of a normal. that's really a normal functioning brain. That's the a normal functioning brain. And the scream that was abuse. And then say, oh, well, look, he threw me to the ground. Like you said, knowing there's video cameras everywhere. And then like Fern said, the bruises are like three to four inches above where the guy grabbed her. To me, that's crazy. That's making shit up. Totally. Well, let me ask you guys this then,
0: because we're closing I'm in the, on that. If I, if I
3: was a guy, I'd be like, she's a crazy bitch. But then, you know, I... I'm not a presidential campaign, I Yeah,
0: You will never be a president. You're more a combustible. <laughs> Let me ask this. So, Trump has a new campaign manager, Paul Manafort. Um, he's a total establishment guy. He's actually been a campaign advisor for Ford, Reagan, both Bushes, and Dole. So, you know, you can't say he's fighting in the system while bringing in guys who've been embedded in the system for 100 fucking years. Uh, but, but beyond that, what happened to um, Corey Lewandowski? Why is he bringing in a new campaign manager? I couldn't find information. Did Trump fire him? Does he have now dueling campaign managers? What's going on with this, Fern? I, I, there's no information out there, so I'm just asking for an opinion. Really no,
1: actually, yeah, I haven't heard anything either But, you know, you know, I'd be interested to know if he's actually paying for his legal fees And if he's, you know, standing behind him and doing I mean, I thought he said he was going to stand behind him Which makes it really weird that he would fire him and get a new campaign manager I mean, didn't he say this is more flip-floppy, circular conversation That is the Trump campaign, the whole Trump experience the It Trump is
0: experience, nice, grab your 3D yeah, asshole glasses
1: yeah exactly it it amazes me, and I you know the only thing I can figure is he's trying to distance himself. He already has like a seventy or eighty percent disapproval rating with women,
8: and to stand <laughs> behind
1: this guy publicly is not going to help that, so um. Oh, yeah, so it doesn't uh, surprise me that he backed off. That's the smart move, but it doesn't it, – it, his words before, he can't back it up with his ass. He's not backing this guy up. So it's more unbelievability from Donald Trump.
0: Well, Badger is a savant when it comes to digging up information quickly. Badger, you said you found something on this?
3: Yeah, he um, is lessening his role. He says if it was found true that you know there was an assault, which he does not believe, or from the videotape he sees. He would have fired him, but he did not fire him. He's only um, giving him less of a role to get him out of the spotlight and let everything get taken care of behind the scenes so it doesn't bring negative attention to his campaign. That's why he has a new front man as a campaign manager. But Corey is still there.
0: Is Trump playing a loyalty card like he said in that video he cut from his golden line jet that's more expensive than Air Force One, Trump always likes to point out, that he has better (laughs) travel arrangements. Yeah, then Obama. I I watched
3: a video on it. You know that there's a gold trim on everything, mahogany wood throughout. Oh, it's beautiful.
0: Anyway, let's not go lifestyles of the rich and famous
3: Robert (laughs) Leach
0: here or whatever. But if he has stuck this um, campaign manager out on the bleachers, isn't he showing that he's not being loyal to him? That he's putting him out on the bleachers because it might threaten his campaign? I mean, Trump only cares about winning, even over loyalty.
3: But he's not doing that. He's just taking him out of the spotlight, giving him the time to get all his he's stuff. Benching he, he, he's benching him. But why? But he still getting be fired. I mean, if he would be – benching is one thing as opposed to firing. If he were to have say, I have nothing to do with him anymore, he's gone, that's one thing. But still keeping him on the payroll, keeping him behind the scenes, probably working the phone, But if like he did nothing I, wrong, why make him pay a consequence?
0: Why even bench him if he's totally 100% even, in the right?
3: Now, from what I'm reading, we don't even know for sure if it was Corey's idea, which possibly is because it doesn't get that involved. But it could be Corey also said, hey, look, Mr. Trump, I want to back out. I want to go back behind the scenes. We don't need any negative attention. If he's a smart campaign manager, if I were the guy, I would say that. i say, look, Mr. Trump, replace me, Just do or whatever you want to do with me. Let, or let me work behind the scenes just to get this out of the headlines. I think that it's a smart move. I truly think it's a smart move. I don't think he did not really Is
0: that what happens? Did Corey say please bench me and give me lesser a role and probably cut my paycheck on top of it? Or do you think Trump's doing what Trump always does? Winning, winning, winning. I'll run over my grandmother with a steamroller if it'll put me one percent higher in the
1: polls. Oh yeah, this guy has never done anything but look out for himself, ever. He does nothing but what is going right to benefit Donald J. Trump. And this guy, you know, if he was that adamant about defending him and he did nothing wrong and I'll pay your go ahead. You see somebody throwing a tomato, kick, you know, kick their ass. I'll pay for your legal fees. I mean, he's that adamant about defending people who are defending him and who, you know, who are his supporters. Then why – bench him i mean it's it's because of this horrible approval rating with women and he can see that this isn't smart and he's just completely going back on what he was doing what he said and it's it's just it's there's so many instances in this campaign i mean abortion is the most recent one but so many times he has flip-flopped back and forth and it's yeah. Classic Trump. That's all i got to say. This is classic Trump. It blows my Trump mind. Let me have Taylor Grammy
3: Award-winning singer Jennifer Adam, 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 Hudson after three of her family members murdered. Airlines wouldn't accommodate boy with serious medical issues. Trump offered his jet. Helped save families working farm that was going into foreclosure. Sergeant Andrew Morsey was released from prison in Mexico. Donald Trump sent him a big check to help him get back on his feet. Uh, Trump did for a brush driver who helped save a woman from jumping off a bridge. Those are just five that are credited and actually, shown to be true of things that Trump has done for others, not just himself. Your so, facts not...
0: are not my facts, Dwayne. I'm Caleb. Let me get you to kind of split the difference here again and chime in. But first, let me ask you this: Is this the most serious you've ever been on a radio show? This has got to be killing me uh, not probably. being able to
6: tell jokes, right? No, but I like I like to talk about stuff like this, you know. And uh, every every time Trump's in any conversation is pretty funny to me. Even if I'm not laughing out loud, I'm having a pretty good time. Anytime we get to talk really? about that because
0: I'm crying <laughs> inside. Actually, I'm pretty melancholy. This. All right, well, let's go. Let's let's move on to this. Then, did you agree with me and Fern that once again he kind of threw this guy under the bus? He's benching him because it would look worse to fire him, but he is benching him and bringing in somebody else because he does have a horrible record with women. I mean, this is the smart thing to do, right?
6: Well, uh, I, I suppose it's. I wouldn't categorize it as smart. I'd categorize it as not stupid, uh, because smart would have been not to hire this guy. Would have been smart. Uh, of course, you. If something explodes, you clean it up. That's. I, I can't imagine praising that decision. It's a pretty no-brainer. But I am a little amazed that he would even admit he has a problem with women because you see him on Twitter and on the news be like. Nobody women lo- Nobody loves women more than me. Women love me. I'm doing very well with women. And, and then they'll be like, you're doing 80% of women to hate you and will never vote for you. And he's like, but I'm doing – no, that's wrong. I'm doing great. He just won't admit it. He, No matter what you throw at him, fact-wise, he's like, oh, well, I did a poll of 10 people that work in my office. They're all women. They all love me. And he'll put that on Twitter and he'll put make a poster. Women yeah, they all work for, for, for him.
0: And they're fired if right. they don't love him. And like James Bruce said when we had him on a few weeks ago, and I love this line, he's like, the buck never stops here. And I think that's, that's like very accurate of Trump, yeah. right? The buck never fucking stops here. And let me kind of um, get into some Trump bashing here. So here's what Trump said when he lost Wisconsin, because Trump could never lose anything ever legitimately. It's always some kind of um, conspiracy against poor Trump. He said lying right. Ted Cruz had the governor of Wisconsin— <laughs> Many conservative talk radio show hosts and the entire party apparatus behind them. A Trump's um, campaign press release reads, according, um, accusing the Tea Party senator of illegally coordinating with um, supportive super PAC and Republican parties of an unethical, working sabotage, sabotage of Trump's campaign. Ted Cruz. Here's what he said. Ted Cruz. He's the worst puppet. He's a Trojan horse. being used by the party bosses attempting to steal the nomination from Mr. Trump. Fern, if you refer to yourself in the third person, my fuck you, um, like, instinct goes into high gear. Oh, yeah. He's like, everybody's against Mr. Trump. When he wins, it's legitimate. When he wins, it's 100% legitimate. The people who voted for him are smart. That state is smart. But every time he loses, he comes out and says, I didn't legitimately lose. I actually won, and they cheated and stole it from me. And this is
1: so Trump, right? Oh, oh yeah. And, I, you know, I know you remember the conversation we had, like, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, a month ago, two months ago. And, you know, we were talking about this. And if, if Trump does start to lose and things start to go downhill, what's going to happen? And I told you, he's going to blame everybody else. It's not going to be him. It's going to be, it's not fair. They're cheating. They're changing the rules. I mean, just from watching the debates when he didn't perform well, and he got a tough question, oh my you know, that man. is, you know, he he points the finger at somebody. Else. That wasn't a fair question. Then it's not Hillary fair. It's not won fair.
3: All six of those coin tosses legitimately against all fucking 0.7% of the odds. She got all the super delegates legitimately. Let's, not talk, let's not talk about the other side because voter fraud and bullshit when they lose. But when they win, they're the messiah, the Jewish messiah. Come but on, we're talking guys. about Trump and his
1: finger-pointing and how he can't accept accountability or blame for anything. He takes no accountability in anything. It's not his seven, accountability six. that he makes slanderous well, statements towards women, not his fault has 80% about Bernie. disapproval rating. Yeah, we're, we're not, talking not talking about Bernie today. We're talking about Trump. It's not the
3: candidate's fault. Well, well, you know, it's got to be fair then. You know what? You asked me a long time ago, to come in because I give the other side of my opinion. Well, if you're just going to sit here and slam Trump for an hour and a half, then we have to point out that the same goddamn thing is happening on the other side and with other candidates, not just Trump.
5: Maybe if it was a show about Bernie, which hopefully. But, no, I mean, just think about it. I don't understand why you'd be up in arms for Trump anyway because he, I mean, he's, like, really, like, he's obscenely rich, Like, he probably bought his wife, like, honestly. Like, he's obscenely rich. And there's no way in my lifetime or in my kids' lifetimes or in their kids' lifetimes, anybody in my family tree, anywhere, I guarantee, will be that obscenely rich without killing somebody. So why go to bat for somebody who is so different? Why
3: should I not, I mean, why should I have, you know, money envy? Why should I be jealous if he worked his ass off? You know, it, it just proves, okay, you guys yeah. are going on this whole anti-Trump deal. Look at the Boston fucking Globe today. Supposedly the head newspaper of fucking Boston, one of our biggest northeastern cities. And they put out a whole front page satire, bogus bullshit anti-Trump uh, front page Why things. aren't you talking about what they do to
0: Sanders? 16 hit pieces in 24 hours by the Washington Post. After he comes out of a three out of I four was, statement. I
3: was. Picked, but you, I don't I hear you
0: talking picked. about it on air. I don't hear you being as passionate about it. Why? Because I say Sanders is a dirty uh, socialist.
3: On my page. I, come <laughs> out, I, said, I don't dirty. agree with Sanders. I don't agree with Sanders, but I don't want to see him cheated and ripped off. I put that on my now defunct. That's fair. Okay. I was selling products. Page. That's fair. But then we gotta be so we have to admit too that a lot of this shit that we're talking about and thinking is the real Trump is just media garbage they're putting out there. I mean a lot of it, people who have worked for him for years, minorities said he's one of the best fucking bosses they've ever had, women minorities. Hispanic woman is his spokeswoman, worked for him for years. But that's the, the heck, problem, right?
0: Is we don't know what which Donald Trump we're actually electing and we should. Caleb I think it wasn't that way. Dwayne, Dwayne made the point, like, hey, Trump is so rich that he can't be influenced by money. And my retort was, well, this is like saying that the fat guy at the Golden Corral buffet won't go back for seconds because he's already obese.
3: I've already said, leave my personal life out of it. Can't yeah. brought in my sex life. You're bringing in my food life. Leave me out of it. Right. <laughs> personal.
0: This idea that Trump is like, well, I, I will never take another cent by anybody because I'm so rich, that's kind of a non-starter, right? Because if there's a deal to be made, he'll make the deal that benefits Trump, right?
6: Yeah. Well, it's also, he's, I think, trying to do, he's trying to say things that that Bernie has, because Bernie's like, you can't buy me. These donations are very small. I have no super PAC. And Trump's trying to use that argument from the side that he's self-funding. But it's also like, hey, the reason that people like Bernie and that he's not bought is because he's had the same opinion for the past 30 years, the exact, like he's had the same views and he hasn't changed And Hillary has. And a lot of the other politicians have, but Trump, I, I don't care that he's not bought because him with his own money and own opinions change. What you want is somebody who's not bought so they can stay consistent and Trump's not consistent on a weekly basis, much less 20, 30 years like Bernie is. So I just don't – I agree he's not bought, but it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm not bought, but I shouldn't run the country. Like, (laughs) just because you're not bought doesn't mean it's good, unless what your policies are are good.
0: Okay, Dee, do we have a caller? Because I want to take – we've only got five minutes left, but let me take this caller. Mm -hmm. Who do we got on the line, Dee? We
5: have Michael on the line who would like to weigh in.
0: Do you know where he's calling from?
5: Uh, Michael, where are you calling from?
7: Uh, I'm calling from California. Michael, thank
0: you so much for calling into the show. Uh, did you want to chime in on this yeah. whole Trump
7: thing? Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I just wanted to say just to the last uh, point that was brought up, like, how would you not take issue with the fact that so many politicians are bought out by special interest groups and lobbyists who do that with the intent of using them to corrupt laws to benefit corporations and then say that you don't, you don't think it's a, it's a plus that Trump's not being bought out. I, I don't understand the logic.
0: Okay, and let me kind of clarify, because that's a great point. Um, I always say the first thing that we need to do, and it's the first thing that Bernie wants to do, is repeal Citizens United, because you have actual corporations writing legislation, handing it off to their senators or representatives, and saying that you actually have representatives who have to sign a contract. You will push at least 80% of our um, agenda through if you want this campaign donation. So I I am definitely against any politician being bought out. However, what I'm questioning is the sincerity of Trump. Is Trump going to get in office and say, I'm not accepting anything, I'm not letting anybody fill my coffers? Does power not want more power? And that's what I'm questioning, and I don't trust Trump. So this, this comes down to a trust issue with me. It doesn't come down to, like, any kind of political litmus test.
6: Yeah, okay. well, can I say something real quick? I, uh, the reason we don't like politicians who are bought, Trump was that guy. The, he is corporate interest. There's not even a middleman. It's like, instead of, of some of these corporate guys buying a politician, he's just going straight into it, which is, he's the guy I'm worried about politicians being influenced by. So that's why I don't, I'm not impressed with him not being bought, because he's the buyer. I don't want to him directly yeah. in the office you know much mm-hmm. less buying a
0: candidate is that a relevant point do well, you think michael or do you just have kind of like a lot of trust in trump just because he says this or do you need something some meat to back it up
7: no i mean for me like i, I was actually against trump for quite a while and uh i've actually come around to supporting him on because i found a he brought up a couple key issues that most politicians i don't think will even want to touch with a 10-foot pole Based upon the whole, you know, corruption issue that we talked about, which was the trade imbalance, and then all the ways that we had laws in place which give companies incentives to take jobs overseas, like the fact that you Welcome. have a company like Carrier, you know.
3: Welcome yeah, aboard the Trump train, Michael. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> the way you proves again, to it proves how smart, just proves how smart our
0: callers are. Thank you, Michael. But well, let me ask this: so you've got Bernie, and Trump has even said. Bernie is smart when it comes to trade issues. Bernie and Trump have the same kind of idea when it comes to trade. They're saying the same thing about taxing billionaires. They're saying the same thing about reining in corporate interests in a billionaire class. The only difference is Bernie is actually taking – he's building a campaign on individual comp- um, contributions that the average is $27, and he's actually out fundraising Clinton, who has all this Wall Street machine behind her. So when you say, "Hey, when you're talking trust, do you trust the guy who's going out there, just nose to the grind, getting individual donations, or do you trust, like Caleb said, I think that was a smart point, do you trust the buyer who's just circumventing the, the middle the middleman of politicians and saying I'm just going to come in and straight do this because I have the money behind me to back it? Where do you make that determination, trust wise?" Between Bernie and Trump, because really a lot of what they're saying is the same thing. They're both
7: populist movements,
0: just on opposite sides of the spectrum, right, Michael?
7: Absolutely, and for me, it comes down to more of a philosophical issue, politically. And I question of what is a, what's the best and system in place to, to to create a you know strong economy in America. And if you look at history, and I recommend everyone read the book by Alex de Tocqueville, a French journalist in the 1800s who came to America to sort of Realize how did the U.S. within 50 years surpass the European powers economically, and when you read that, you you start to see what was in place, and, and it it wasn't the socialist you know type of a philosophy that was uh, that built America, and that's ultimately why my disagreement with Bernie Sanders comes down to this, I just don't believe in socialism fundamentally, Amen. you know.
2: man a but you do net.
0: agree there's a difference between full-blown socialism and democratic socialism, and ever since FDR, we do kind of have a lot of socialism already embedded in our system. I mean, social security yeah, is a
7: socialist system. Yeah, I mean, socialism in itself is not like intrinsically bad or wrong. It's just that it cannot become the. It's. It's. Uh, I'll give you an analogy. It's like food. Like socialism should be like a dessert. Something you have in moderation here and there, but you can't make it the staple of your diet. Otherwise, you'll ruin yourself in the long run. And that's ultimately what the problem is, is that Bernie Sanders, when you study his background, you look at the things he said in the past, what he's been to, the man is more of a communist than a quote-unquote democratic socialist. He's just using that title now because it's easier to swallow to the general public. But when you actually study what his background, you? you realize he has a, he has a strong communistizing. He's, he's openly talked about communism in the past. If oh, I ever do to be fit
3: and quit the show, Michael, I want you to be my replacement to get to keep these other three in check. I, thank you <laughs> for the work. <support>. <laughs> all right, Michael. Smart
0: things to say. I appreciate your call. We got two minutes left before Kettle of Fish, so unfortunately I gotta let you go. Um let me tell all the callers. We've been getting we've been getting a lot of calls the last ten minutes of the show. When you call in, please call in like 20, 30 minutes beforehand. That way we can have you on, because I'd want to continue this, Michael, but we've got to get Sean Whalen in here. Great. Right. All right.
7: Thanks, thanks for having calling me. calling in, A Michael. Evening. We yep. appreciate Bye-bye. the
0: call.
3: Thank you. Thank, Thank you.
0: you. All right. We got three minutes left. Um, Caleb, why don't I appreciate you calling in. It's so good to know that people who are in comedy, acting, everything else, can have strong political opinions and kind of mix it up with us. Tell everybody on the comedy side where they can find you, what you're working on, because I think that's just as important.
6: All right, of course. Um, You can find me um, at Caleb Sinan on Twitter, uh, or just type in Caleb Conan into Google and uh, find me from there. Watch my Conan set. Also, I'm going to be doing web uh, content for Comedy Central. I'm going to be doing online sketches that you can find on their website, on YouTube, on Snapchat, all their digital platforms. that will be coming out in the next few months. Uh, that'll be starring me that I wrote uh, nice. that I'm very excited about so just keep up with me and, and you'll be seeing me doing some dumb sketches uh, for, for a, a good while.
3: And Caleb oh. if you're ever in northeast Missouri or central Missouri, I won't be like Nick the first time you come over to my house I'll show you my dungeon and my
6: face mask collection.
0: <laughs>
6: I appreciate that.
0: No problem. <laughs> very nice.
6: <laughs> I like somebody on it. I'm forthright.
0: Um, Dwayne, let me ask you this Thank you, Caleb, very much for calling in Dwayne, let me ask you this Because this is fairly amazing to me This show started out with a lot of our friends Kind of bashing it on the right Saying it was a totally liberal show Yet every call we get now Is really in the Trump camp They're really right-leaning Is this a situation where If somebody listened now They'd be like, wow, this show is I won't listen to this show It's totally conservative It's not liberal enough like, have we clothed over?
3: I believe that, but I think also most of it is due to the leaked photo of me and my fuzzy badger slippers and my little badger hat. I think a lot of it has to do with they saw that. They just can't resist. But, no, you're exactly right, Nick. I think I think anybody who claims that this show is your liberal bashing post and your liberal medium and me and Fern and D are just your minions, they really haven't listened to the show in the last six months. We, we – We have a lot of conservative listeners, which I love. Yes, baby. A lot of libertarian listeners. Yes, baby. And almost zero liberal listeners. Yes, baby. Thanks for putting that out there. Or call her. Yeah, Um, Fern, I
0: mean, you know how much shit we used to get. And we had friends who were conservative, which I don't have any of those friends hardly anymore. And they're like, I'm not going to listen to your liberal show with your liberal minions who just kiss your ass and agree with you even if they don't agree secretly with you. And honestly, the, the majority of our callers over the last six months have all been conservative callers. So how do these people explain that, that accuse us of being a totally liberal, biased show?
1: I don't know, because you're right, and I've noticed that too. It has been a lot of conservative callers. And maybe um, uh, maybe we're hitting a nerve. Maybe we are getting a broader base, and that's great if we're getting conservatives and liberals to listen to the show, to call in, to interact, to comment. Like, that's the whole mission because I would like to see everybody in the country doing that as a general rule. It's, I mean, that's what we need. We need to be able to communicate with each other and agree. To okay. um, and it's fantastic.
0: I... All right, kettle of fish time. Yeah. That was a weird.
5: Yeah. yeah right? This week on Kettle of Fish, actor Sean Whalen stops by to talk about living under the stairs. Welcome to our after show, we call Kettle
0: of Fish, the no politics laughter show. It's time for Kettle of Fish, no debate, hate, or argument allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip, so hooray for Kettle of Fish. All righty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the two hours of political foreplay. We've actually got Dwayne in here today, Dee and Fern. Are you guys ready to get fishy
3: with it? Yay! Yay! Yeah.
0: I'm always right ready on. to get
3: fishy with it, baby. You're talking about you know, three <laughs> fish tanks. A show really,
0: really has, a guest really has to touch you, Dwayne, for you to stick around for Kettle of Fish. That's usually you yes. opt out.
3: Yes. Yes. I, I, right. I, I just watched the recent YouTube video him him uh, referring to himself with uh, Steve Buscemi, and, and that touched me.
0: I bet it did. <laughs>
3: All right, so check it out. Today's guest is
0: Mr. Sean Whalen. Uh, many of you might remember him from the Got Milk, the original Got Milk commercial. Most of you will remember him from The People Under the Stairs. And we said earlier today, in keeping with that, D has a new workstation actually under our stairs. You are under yes, our stairs yes, right now, because when you were in the it kitchen the or stairs. living room, yeah, I kept picking you up. So now you are under the stairs yeah. in the basement.
8: Mhm. You're yeah, like
0: the kettle I, of fish version of Roach. <laughs> I
5: am. I absolutely am. Except I, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting thirsty. I'm I'm getting a little lonely down here.
3: I'm getting a little itchy. Oh. Even, even those guys put the lotion in the basket. Had a Gatorade for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I need to get a little basket to send down with her. with like saltines <laughs> and water. All right. Let me get Sean in here. I'm very very impressed by all things Sean Whalen. Sean, what's up? Hey. How you guys doing? Man, good. we're doing great. Pretty good for the end. Thank you so I much to, for calling I to in start
4: today. Nerd, uh, I have to start off with a little nerd movie criticism, though. Okay. okay. Roach never lived under the stairs. He escaped under the stairs and
0: lived between the walls. But well, did you live uh, under I, uh, the stairs for a few moments? I'm trying to, like... Are you a, I mean, you're trying <laughs> to recover? So I just, yeah. He yeah. no,
4: no, that, probably I've lived broke. in there for at least maybe, you know, maybe a couple hours. So... I, 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 I acquiesce you. You're, you're correct.
3: Sweet. <laughs> I'm going to be driving to Virginia and I have to go through Tennessee. Just because I drive through Tennessee doesn't mean I actually live there. So I, I don't think that qualifies as living under the stairs. This sounds yeah. like a whole debate. Well, I, I, and mean, I, said, I, don't, I
4: live, you know, he escaped from under the stairs, but he probably, you know, what do we call, now we have to get into what do we call living? Maybe having a meal, taking a nap. He might have done those things under the I, stairs.
3: I always I – always, I always, if, if I'm going to place long up to experience self-love,
1: then I say I live there. So, Fern, look out. Oh, okay. I'm always looking out with binoculars, Dwayne. Uh, oh, right.
4: so, 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 you know, if that's the criteria, we can't say he lived under the stairs. He was proud to make his home under the walls – dis- I mean, between the walls and, dis- and disturb the uh, owners of the house. Sean, you your argument is so yeah.
0: nuanced, I should make you one of the co-hosts for Ignorance Equation. You really brought uh, it to
4: me. <laughs> I, I don't oh, even man. know what
0: Ignorance Equation is. It's our um, not... pre-political show we do before Kettle of Fish, and we do this show I... to wind down because we're usually screaming yes, at each sir. other for two hours about politics. There you go.
4: I'm so... glad I said no offense.
0: No, I'm taking, and we'll open up like a little chat about this, and we'll get everybody on Facebook to go to war and Twitter. Well, have Twitter wars over this for the next two months on whether you live yeah. under the stairs or not.
4: Yeah.
8: <laughs>
4: I, I would say people. Well, well, okay. So if you want to, even go further. In the yeah. movie, I'm running around. I take, I, I pull, you know, fool through the bathroom mirror. I'm running around, and I show him my quote-unquote home in the wall. It has a little bed, it has some Christmas lights, it has a little thing, and that's, you know, in the walls.
0: So Nicer that's in my bedroom, by found his
4: home. What's that?
0: Nicer than my bedroom, by the way.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, he was pretty resourceful. Rich was it's a resourceful so just People who live under the overpasses in L.A., they have like beds and mattresses and, yeah. and drawers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, hey, I was a camp counselor, and I lived under a tree uh uh my my kids were in tents, and that was in college, and I lived under a tree, I had a tree, and I raked out a little area next to my bed, and I put little stones around it, and I put an old old dresser drawer there, some of the best sleep I've had my entire life
0: so this is kind of, of an
4: exclusive probably, probably cause like I was Sean? drunk probably because I was drunk, you know after the uh, <laughs>
3: camp counselor's party. Were you k r p where you had your little stone uh door and all that and walls around you too? No, no
4: walls. It was literally like under a tree.
3: <laughs> it was
4: there were two tents where my, my boys age seven and nine were. And right next to the tent was this little I cleared out a little area and had a little bed and and uh lived and put the little bureau there and so it was like a, this little outdoor area. But, man, it was up in the California mountains. It was such great sleep. I had a great time.
0: So what Sean Whalen is saying is you have a long, rich history of living under things.
4: Yes. Well, again, under in the, or between, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say under the tree, but I'm not going to say under the stairs because I think he escaped. You know, I'm going to say between the walls. All right. That's well, why, this
0: sounds like a battle for another day.
4: Well, that's also why he was, you know, different. And, you know, because my screen time in that movie is very short. If you clock well, it, it doesn't in, it's seem probably,
0: like it, though. And that's the amazing thing about like. the movie. It doesn't seem it. seems yeah. like you're the main star of the movie. Everyone remembers Roach. I know. Everyone remembers Fool. And I just yeah. went back and watched the movie. And I've got it on DVD. And I go back yeah. and watch it. I haven't watched it in a few years. It's amazing how much that movie holds up.
4: Yeah. It's an odd film. And I, and I have another thing that I always say that, that why it's strange and unique is that it's uh, the only movie that had a happy ending. Yeah. And, not and many the, horror movies that have happy endings.
0: Well, and adversely, that movie is a two movie set. It's a Wes Craven set, and it comes with Shocker on it. So I watch people under the sky and oh, right. watch Shocker, and I'm like, well, Shocker doesn't hold up at all. And then I watch people oh, really? on their stairs, and I'm like, man, this movie, like, this is the old battle of, like, the rich oligarchs that are tearing yep. up the yep. urban area. And Roach yep. is kind of like the underdog hero that lives, like, he's the ultimate, yeah. like, underdog that's taking these guys down just with wit. They have all the power, yet yeah. you've got all the wit. You're between the walls, and right. you're just kind of just subversing everything they're trying to do, right? Right.
4: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, my God, he built that intricate system where he has the, the, the ramp where he dumps the dog down and you, know, and, and, you know, drives the guy crazy and, you know, helps Alice and, you know, he, he, he knows what's going on. I always thought, you know, because people have always said, you die too early in that movie. And I said, look, the only rewrite I would have done if I was in that movie long, instead of it just being cool and Alice... You know, getting out of there by themselves. It fool Alison Roach would be, but he gets there. He gets to the top. They're about to leave out that window at the top floor, and Roach can't leave. You know, he's too scared, and so he'll die ultimately. You know, anyway, but he doesn't know how to live 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 outside in the real world anymore.
0: See, I would have played it different. A play. I would have had you leave the property and then flash 20 years later and you own a coffee shop, like a chain of coffee shops. And you totally <laughs> sold out and played the game. I think that would have been great. Oh, yeah,
3: yeah. Well, here's my question. You sound so excited. Your character is so excited about being under the stairs. and It seems like such a good life. Why is it when I tell my kids I'm going to put them under the stairs in the basement, they start to call child abuse services? I, I don't get it. I, I have well, to I mean, have uh, to again,
4: again, uh, again, I'm being technical.
3: They might enjoy between
4: the walls more than under the stairs.
3: That's all. That's just my thing. I'm going to have to try, I'm have to try that. i I'm yeah, between I, the walls. So they good.
4: got places to go. They can you know squeeze through the laundry room and squeeze through the, you know, you know, peek out a little. They can squeeze. They can peek out a little vent. I mean, there's more to do between the walls than under the stairs. And, you know, Roach was a mover and a shaker, and he, he just couldn't stay in one place.
0: Very comforting, almost like being in a womb. (laughs) You're like in this little wall crawl space, and it is very small and comforting. I get it now. Yeah, I mean, is it
4: Temple Grandin does, you know, the the little animal hug or whatever, you know, the top? You
0: know, same thing. Sean, you just added a whole new layer to this movie. I'll never watch it in the same (laughs) lens that I watched it the first 12 times. That's right. Thank you for that. Well, I
4: don't think anyone in the world has those Hollywood walls that are, you know, Five
0: feet there, either. In <laughs> the crawl space. Yes, yeah, I noticed that too. That's the to defend that thing. belief. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, hey, let me ask you this because I dug into the whole world of um, Sean Whalen. I'm looking at different okay. interviews, I'm looking at different people talk about you, and there's one yeah. running theme. It's like, oh, well, yeah. Sean, you know, of course they say you're a great actor, you're great to work with, but they also say you're such a cool guy, you're such a nice guy, you're such a down to earth guy. I read one interview that was like he doesn't even realize his contribution to the movie industry and to his fans, and you talked a bit on that. And as I'm kind of reading this, I was wondering, end of the day, for Sean Whelan, when you go to bed, is it more important to you to be remembered as like this down-to-earth guy who works so well with others? Or is it more important for your career and your work to speak for itself? Like, how do you kind I of mean, me I that think you
2: all? want – look,
4: I always use the J-Lo argument. You know, which is to me, she was in uh, out of sight, George Clooney, Steven Soderbergh movie, such an amazing actress. Like we hadn't had, you know, we had our Selma Hayek or whatever, but she was coming up as like the most a solid solid Latina actress, and I was like, wow, she's amazing, and such a good actress. But then she had to turn into J Lo, you know, because she wanted more. And, you know, so she was big and popular. But I haven't heard the nicest things about working with her or anything. So it's kind of disappointing, you know. So I would say I, that was my thing. You know, Do you want respect? Or do you want the, your work to show for itself, you know? And, and I think you, you want to have both. I mean, I, you know, look, we have a weird, some guy that uh, was saying, you know, oh, you're this, you're that. And I was like, look, man, I'm a normal guy with a weird job. I, you know, and the fun and the amazing part that people don't understand is, you know, I don't know how many job interviews you've been in your life, but I go on, you know, 100 or so a year. <laughs>
1: wow. And
4: that's, that's a hard thing to do, you know, because you have no real control over if you get cast or not. So the only thing you can control is how you prepare and do that work and audition and how you are on the set. And, yeah, I think it's real important. To know, you know, to think, who wants the asterisk? You know what I mean? Who wants to say, you know, hey, you know, I'm sure Jayla's listening, and she's going to get her people after me. But who wants to say, like, wow, she's a great actress and a great dancer, but, you know, she lip synced on American Idol where she's a judge, and she's not nice to anyone she works with that I've heard. Who wants that asterisk to say, oh, Sean's really good in these movies, but I heard he's a jerk? You know what I mean? And that's what you hear all the time in town because the costume people and the makeup people, they know everything. So to me, I think it's more important the kind of father I am, the kind of friend I am, the kind of uh, person I am, the kind of boyfriend I am, my girlfriend, you know, things like that, you know. Nice. So I think and that, that makes that you stand more. out.
0: That's why they're writing these articles about you. And I think that's important, and, and I've been surprised, like, I know the Wayne's been surprised because when we first started doing this, he's like, well, I know, like, a lot of Hollywood actors are going to be stuck up and stuff, but I've kind of found that there's a lot more people that share your mind frame than go oh. totally Hollywood, right?
4: No, it, it's a very, it's it's very rare to find, you know, there are a few that I've heard nightmare stories, but look, man, if you're working, you realize how lucky you are to work in a, in a business. When I started out, I had no clue. I'm, I was, Thank God I was so clueless because if I would have known the odds and thought about the odds or thought about, you know, then you don't do it. But if you just keep plugging away, you know, cluelessly and move on and stuff, the only thing you can do is is be easy to work with, uh, pleasant to work with, and, and I've walked away from people and going, wow, I've never met someone so cool in my life. And Clint, I worked with Clint Eastwood, and that was amazing. And I worked with Dennis Franz on NYPD Blue, who was the most generous actor I've ever met. I mean, and and that sticks with you more than their work, you know? And when I've run no, into no. people who haven't been that nice to me, it's actually colored me seeing their work in
3: the future.
8: Wow. Like, now, have you a, worked with Steve Buscemi
3: have you worked no. with Steve Buscemi? Because in that video,
4: you, I mean, that picture isn't very flattering. I mean, was that like the... Uh, no, 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 no. I, no, I would love to... Well, I wanted to use a real picture, but you just can't. You're not allowed to. So uh, I was going to use a real picture, Steve Buscemi, but I guess on YouTube it's very strict on its laws. So, yeah, wow, I use, Yeah, I couldn't use a real one. So... Um, I contacted the artist who drew that picture and said, hey, can I use this in this video? That's the only reason I used it. I wasn't looking for an unflattering picture, you know? Well,
3: on that topic, I, mean, I just want to say on that video, I love you in Twisted Sisters, we're not going to take it video where you were the dad. And I also loved you in Animal House where you played the ROTC guy. Or am I thinking of somebody else again? I'm just You're thinking of <laughs> someone else completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
8: hey, exactly. let me ask
0: you this, though, about your YouTube channel because you've got those rage videos. And I know um, most of them aren't political, but you do have one about, like, oh, and I, it was brilliant. I love the one about the guy whining, and he's whining through life, the kid that's trying to get the cereal, and you're raising these little whiners. And, you know, yeah. I had just wrote an article on Mark um, Rufio um, endorsing Bernie Sanders, and the uh, uh-huh. comment thread was like, how dare these actors have a political opinion? Just act and entertain us. It's <laughs> kind of like dance, monkey, dance. And it, it yeah. is kind of a risky proposition as an entertainer right. when you put your political opinion out there because you're held to a, a scrutiny that I feel like the average guy is not held to, and I think that's wrong. Yeah,
4: well, that's why I, I kind of don't. If you see my posts on Twitter, and I just don't, I just don't do it. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not what this it's about. You know, that's not what we're here to do. And if I was in a position where i could or would then yeah then maybe i would you know i mean i I'm, I'm a springsteen fan and i've seen people say you know it's on comment threads where he, they say i will never go to a concert of his again cuz he you know but he made a choice you know i you know he's not losing anything i mean he's still making tons of money so he's fine and you know but i i i just don't think it's useful um, for me to engage in that in those dialogues publicly because it does it's not really that's not what I'm about at this level, but I think when you can help and have influence and you can have a cause, you know. Like I, I saw Leonardo DiCaprio when he was uh when he was um promoting uh what's the, the Gilbert Wall well, No, Wolf of Wall Street.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. And he
4: was, look, his whole thing was like, look, man, I'm just lucky, <laughs>
0: you
4: know? I'm just lucky. I know there's actors out here that are just as talented as me, but I got lucky, you know? And, and then he made smart moves in his career, you know? Uh, but, you know, he has his cause, environmental causes or whatever. But if you can help, and if you can help you, with something that you feel passionate about, I think it's fine. But at my level... Uh, it's not worth it, you know.
0: Yeah, but and that's a if shame. That makes sense. I think that's a shame because I would really like. Well, to I see mean, it.
4: I don't. Is, is Facebook really a place for us to have a dialogue over this kind of stuff? I mean, I don't think so. I don't. I'm not. I don't know anyone who goes. You know what? I really like this candidate, but now after I
0: was on Facebook for an hour, I'm completely changed. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You'd be Everyone surprised how so many people get changed by Facebook. Uh, back and forth, and back so? and forth.
1: I really? see it all the time.
0: You, I'm in the political people, arena. And I'll give you okay. a good example. I know a girl who posted every day, and I thought she was involved in politics. I thought she was politically aware. And every day she posted okay. these anti-Obama things, Obama, socialist, okay. Obama, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, I don't agree with her, but at least she's involved. And then she posted this thing, and she and they're just memes. She doesn't post an opinion. She just posts a meme. And then she right. um, posts this thing, and she's like, and this is fairly far into the primary. She goes, "I got sure. a call saying vote for Ben Carson. Who's Ben Carson?" And somebody was uh. like, <laughs> one, "At the time, he was really one of the top runners." He's yeah, like, "Well, he's in right. like second place right now in the primary." And she goes, "Oh, shows you how much I know about politics." Well, damn, right. you post every day about it. How do you post? I wouldn't post about motorbikes every day if I knew nothing about right. motorbikes. So yes, yes. I, I yes. think you're underestimating just kind of how callous and indifferent people are to politics.
4: No, no, no. I'm actually saying that, that they don't change their – she obviously didn't know. But my point – you actually reiterated my point. I guess my point is let's say I'm pro-Obama and you're anti-Obama and we get into it on Facebook. The chances of me changing your mind on Facebook
8: okay, got you. And you
4: changing my mind are very slim. That's what I mean. I don't yeah. think that Facebook is the place. You, they, you Everybody who's on Facebook digs into the trenches, and it just goes on and on and on and on. You know what I mean? Because it's not no, a no. real. Dialogue. I got you now. Yeah, that's absolutely that's true. Mean. And that and, and you and that girl makes a point. She just she heard these things, and she just wants to repeat them and regurgitate them, but she's not really actually well informed.
0: You know. Yes. So right, why engage? Little... Now go ahead, John. I'm sorry.
4: No, no, no. That's what I meant. So why engage with people like that who just said did, – did, anyone who says blanket statements? You know, my, ex, my ex-mother-in-law is, was a Democrat, and it was like everything she said, no matter who. There was never any Republican that idea thought, anything that could be right because
0: they were Republican. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's, I mean, I know that's exactly. what I feel.
4: That's what's going on on Facebook.
0: I see it all the time. I want to switch gears because this is our comedy yep. show. Um, I want to talk about it's Dorothy. It's been hilarious so far, We're talking
4: about
0: <laughs> Gutbuster, definitely. Um, Dorothy, 50 yep. years later, I put it on a yep. kettle of Fish page. My co-host, Fern, oh, saw She can't shut up about it. She
1: it. I, loves it. I'm to ring in here. Oh, my God, Sean. I, you're talking to somebody who has been obsessed with The Wizard of Oz since I was a kid. I, you know, I'm 38 okay. years old now. I'll disclose my age. I don't care. You get to a certain yeah. point, you don't care. But, I yeah. mean, to the point to where when I opened up my email address, and I still have the same email address, so if any of you fans hear something out there you don't like, you can direct the hate mail to littlerubyslipper at yahoo.com, <laughs> although you can also direct it to Dwayne's hate mail because he's used to getting it. Um, But I'm obsessed with this. And when Nick posted this, I was like, I have to dig into this. I have to look at it. It is so dark and so twisted, and that is exactly how my brain works. Coupled with my obsession of Wizard of Oz, this is like totally my wheelhouse. Um, I saw the second one that you did. Awesome. Completely sick, and I love it. It is just – it's great. So I want to applaud you. How did you – like? What prompted that? What spurred that on? What made you think this is going to be a good idea to show Dorothy smoking cigarettes, drinking, cursing? I mean, well, it's, it's beautiful.
4: I, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. The um, the idea came because I um, had just seen it was like the 25th edition when they remastered it Uh it was in the early late 80s, early 90s they did some big revamp or or did did some I don't know, they relaunched it in theaters because they were able to do something technically to it to make it look better and so my friend and I went and saw it at a theater and at the very end you know, my friend like, oh, it's so great, it was so awesome and I was just like, and I don't know why it hit me that night, but I was like "That, that, that sucks Like that absolutely sucks, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" I go, "The main thing is, there's two old people who won't be around for too much longer, are not her parents. She lives. She wanted to get home to a crappy dust bowl, and she uh, and everyone thinks she's crazy because she says, and you and you and you were there, and they all go, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, oh yeah, yeah, sure we were, you know." Um, and they think she's nuts. And so I was like, God, what is this, what's going to happen to this woman if she never wants to leave her backyard? If she's just gonna, Everyone's going to think she's crazy because she's going to try to explain this to more people and feel good about it, but everyone's going to go, feel good about what? You bumped your head and you went insane, you know? And <laughs> so I just thought like, it would be really funny to do her 50 years later, which ironically, which is... I I mean, I'm I'm from Maryland. John Waters is from Maryland. I saw his one-man show, and he actually does a bit about exactly my thoughts. He goes, you know, he was saying how awful he thought it was and that she's probably going to be like a crack whore and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to send this to him. So I have to figure out a way for him to see it because – I, you know, I'm not the only one who had the idea. Both two Maryland boys had the same idea. I don't know how or why. But I did it at the Groundlings Theater as a sketch um, back when I was in the Groundlings. And a good friend of mine, Tim Bagley, he's a really great character actor. I was doing it more jokey, and he just said, just be her. So the original sketch was me talking to a paperboy. Um who was coming up the street and I'm like, excuse me, and it was me by myself, but no one else, you know, it was like, Hey, Tommy, you know, give me the paper, give me the paper. And, you know, she's looking for the tornado and all this other stuff. And uh, they cut out a part in the movie. We cut it out in the short where all these kids drive by and throw apples at her. And they go, who are we? Where the trees were the trees uh, on the yellow brick road. (laughs) She's like, get out of here. I'll pour a bucket of water on you and take your shoes. (laughs) <laughs> says genius yeah so it was uh it was uh uh that idea and so then when youtube was coming out stuff uh the very talented brandon trost who does all of seth rogan's movies and all this um he loved the sketch too and he took me up to this place i mean it looks beautiful he found this great little place up in the California Mountains, and he just We, we, I think we did it in 45 minutes because I, you know, I knew the model. Wow. So that was it. I think we, yeah, I think we did like three takes and that was it. And then we just pieced it together. Yeah. Yeah, How does this get turned into
0: something full length? Because I know that this thing went viral and there's so many fans of it. Like, it seems like by now. I mean,
4: it's only 10,000 hits, which isn't, you know, in viral world, people, you know, people don't even. At their eyes, so you hit like a million or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and I think maybe it's because of the language, she cusses a lot, you know. It's but that's what a funny makes it cat brilliant, stuck in a vase, you know. <laughs> but look, I've always had an idea, I'd love to do it as a. Um, I've sketched a whole, you know, series on um, what's the late night cartoon network, uh, Adult Swim, 15 minutes. yeah, Adult Swim. You know, and and just do, a, like, a, a little thing about her trying to get back to Oz where she goes to a – she goes she gets a job at a lab, so she tries to get, uh, get the dove and a monkey and tries to have them screw each other or, like, try to get them genetically modified so the monkeys can fly and fly her back. She, like, interrupts a hot air balloon wedding so she can try to, you know, get them to wow. take her back to Oz. You know, the bump and run idea, I told – because Danny Roebuck, you know, the actor in the bump and run, he was like, this is hilarious. And he said, I want to be a part of it. Please let me be a part of it.
8: Oh, yeah. And
4: so he wrote and directed that one, um, the bump and run one. And, I mean, you know, that was kind of the idea where it could go, just following her around as she tries to find her way back to (laughs) us. And everybody thinks she's insane. You know, then there was another idea for like a horror movie. People who made fun of her would slowly die by you know her cramming straw up their you know in all their body parts till they die and stuff like that.
0: So <laughs> but i, I mean, never you know you're not a horror fan per se though right? Like didn't I read no, somewhere? Not necess- no, no,
4: Yeah, because I just can't. I was the kid who like my daughters got scared. My my one daughter's got scared of Jurassic Park. You know, and that was me. I couldn't. I could not watch, you know, uh, um, Night Gallery, you know? My si- older sister would want to watch it, and I would sneak out and watch it, and then, of course, I'd be up late having nightmares
0: and wake up my family. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it's uh, important. So- like, Wes Craven's so brilliant at it. I mean, like, People Under the Stairs is a horror movie, but it's kind of not really a horror movie. Not really. And there's- no. And I think that's what makes his, like, movie so brilliant, except for, like, there's some stark stuff, like surfing in a Rainbow. That's definitely not kid-friendly. But there's a yeah. lot of stuff that he puts out, like, and that's the kind of horror movies I like watching that have, like, dark humor interwoven into the plot.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you can agree. make those kind of, like, different variations in the role because you're not taking yourself so seriously. Hey, let me ask you this because yeah. we got to wind this up. So let me kind of sure. shift gears again. You're on Star Trek. I saw that. I'm reading your IMDb, and it's incredible. I did one. You yeah. did one Star Trek, and I'm a very big Star Trek fan. And it just got me to wondering, when you're a fan of somebody, somebody's work, or when you're a fan of a particular franchise, and you go in an audition, does this amp up the stress level? Like, I I I love Star Trek. I've got to get on Star Trek. Or is it just all like um, a working day of yeah. Sean Whalen? No, I mean, of
4: course, of course. It brings a little heightened level to it. I've had, you know, fans of directors, whatever, where you got a little more nervous or a little more stressed. Or, yeah, absolutely, because you want to be a part of it. I, I remember trying out for Wizards of Waverly Place because my daughters loved the show, you know? And I got on it, and it was great. They got to come to the set. They met Selena Gomez, you know, and I was like, oh, I really, really want this, you know? And... uh yeah, but there's been some movies where you know you want it so bad you kind of get too nervous and you don't do your best stuff or you know, but I you know you ha- you have to try to put all that aside you know you really do like I really wanted the Clint Eastwood movie but I mean you re- at the, this day and age you know you have, I've done this so long you have to walk in there's a great Brian Cranston quote online he goes go in there do what you do show them what you're selling. And then leave, because everything else has nothing to do with you. has to do with, oh, uh, you know, I met Rob Reiner. I was going to play, you know, uh, Aiden Quinn's brother. And he goes, you know what? You were fantastic. You were great. I thought you were perfect. But you don't like anything like Aiden Quinn. And then I walked out, and there was another character actor who got the part who is a good,
0: great character actor,
4: but he looks like Aiden Quinn. And I went, okay, I'm done. And that guy got the part.
0: You know what I mean? So, so do you need that kind of separation so you don't feel disappointed? I mean yeah. do you ever walk well, out because of these? It, things?
4: It, but it yeah, you have to. It's it's it has nothing to do with you. The only thing you can control, like you said at the beginning, to you know, bring it back is are you a good person to work with? Do you take it seriously? And that's it, you know? I mean and then and then how good you do in the room, you know? How much you know, do you feel good about what you did? But they might already have an offer out to someone else by the time I walk in the room. I've literally been in auditions where I'm sitting in the waiting room, and they're talking about, well, we're waiting for an offer for the role of you know, Jerry. And there's like 10 guys sitting there reading for the role of Jerry. And they're like, and we want Andy Samberg from Saturday Night Live, you know? So that's yes. the thing. You can't really take it seriously. You have to just go in there and do what you do and then step out, you know?
0: All right, well, let's wrap up with this. I want to talk about your coming projects. Once again, I'm checking out your IMDb. You are a journeyman actor, as William Sanderson always says. You're everywhere. Yeah. You've. I mean, I loved you on Superstore. I really, really loved you as Lion McPole on Um, It's Always Sunny in uh, Philly. That's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. television shows. And, yeah. like, walking into that, I don't know what it was, eighth or ninth season, that's got to be unsettling, Eleven. right? Eleven seasons. Well, I, was, t- I
4: never really watched the show. My daughter really? loved the show. My, my entire family watched the show. And I had not really ever watched. Again, it's, I mean, right now, right now TV is too much. It, there's so many good shows. Unless you have, like, no life and you can just sit there and watch, binge watch every single show, there's just so much good TV out right now, you know? So it's hard to catch up. So it wasn't like I didn't like the show or anything. I just thought, no, oh, you know, this is one of the ones I should watch, but I just don't have time, you know. Put on the list, and uh, yeah, it was. It was it, that wasn't intimidating though, no. because everyone was really, really nice. It was really fun, and you know, I watched a few before I went on set, and that was really cool. And yeah, it was. That was fun. I mean, once you get there, you've got the job. So <laughs> that's the part that's nice, you know. So then, yeah. then it's all doing the job and playing and having fun. So. I mean, I wasn't nervous on, you know, meeting Clint Eastwood. I was thrilled to meet Clint Eastwood. You know what I mean? So.
0: Well, I mean, you're looking at it as an adventure, too, and I don't feel like everybody's yeah. kind of hardwired to go into it. as like this is the next great adventure. I think a lot of people get it stuck in their own head, and it's got to be unsettling yeah. for them.
4: Yeah, and it can be. And, I, and I've had experiences where, you know, I've blown auditions or whatever because I liked, I wanted to be a part of it so bad. But then, you know, as you look back, you go, well, probably I didn't do well because they wanted me to read for the first audition. They read a part for me that was right for me, and the second audition was one that wasn't.
1: And right, so right.
4: I was trying to do a part that just I wouldn't have gotten anyway in any movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, right. and, and then when you're in the business long enough, you are also been in the one that they go, wow, they, the casting people don't really know what they're doing. Instead of taking it personally, you go, wow, they really don't know what they're doing. Because the script says this, but they want me to do this. And it makes no sense. And
0: you know? I think that separation so is what keeps you down yeah. to earth because you're not always like, oh my God, there's like self doubt or I got to, you're not trumping it like I've got to make it to the next level, winning, winning, winning. Because you see well, a lot of guys have to kind do, of break you did, down. A lot
4: of people do that, yeah. Well, they do that at the beginning, you know? But once you've been in it long enough, you're not going to last if you do that. You can't. In any job. If, what if you had a panic attack every time you were about to go on the air? Yeah. And you're
0: like, oh, my God, we have to
4: get new viewers, and if we don't get new viewers, I mean, you, you know, you guys wouldn't be able to have this
0: conversation. You know what I mean? That is so true. All right, let's wrap this up because we are going way over. Um, Dwayne, oh, Tom, do sorry. you have anything? Oh, no, you're cool. We love having you on. I'm on uh, – I'm
4: on at that guy SMW on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram, same moniker. I do coaching and Skype coaching as well. Yeah. I, had, uh, I do acting coaching. So if people want to get in touch with me on either of those places or my uh, Facebook page, just Sean Whalen, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to coach. I'd love to give back to young actors. And
0: so that's. And, and then,
4: you know, Superstore is coming up next season. So.
0: Yes, yes. We have Nico to on to
4: here. You.
0: Let me finish real quick. I just we want to thank Nico you for, for – a few months ago, or a couple months ago, and he was like, this was before it got picked up for second season, and I told him, I said, this show is absolutely getting picked up for second season. Superstore yeah. is the best new comedy show on TV. That show is incredible. Yeah. yeah,
4: Good, yeah. it's, it's, it's It's really, really good. I just good. want to
3: thank you for restoring my faith that there are down-to-earth truly good people who are actors and in the... In, uh, who are stars. You're one of them, and I appreciate talking to you and having you on here. I, oh, I my appreciate God. <laughs> I I you. I, I feel,
4: when I hear that, I just feel bad that are you, you know, are you guys interacting with people who aren't? That's a shame to me. You I know? just read
3: a lot of TMZ, and I just watch, see a lot of TMZ. That's PMZ your first stars Behave badly first
4: and things like that.
3: Yeah. Let me yeah. put it this way. When
4: I got divorced, I got on TMZ, and they didn't tell the truth. So well, I, it wasn't I even true. I know.
6: You know, I fall so victim don't, don't believe
3: that no. That's my little guilty pleasure, though, so I, I agree. But I'm, you not enjoy it, but I'm not enjoying it, but I'm saying enjoy it, but don't believe it. Yeah. Well, well, you can also look at how much higher above all the others you are now in my mind. So just look at it that way. Because of you yeah. and you are now on a pedestal well, with me. <laughs> my my le-
4: The lesson that I've learned, I work with Tom Hanks, Tim Burton, Clint Eastwood, uh, Ang Lee, And the higher and bigger these people are, the cooler they are. Alec Baldwin, I mean, the nicer, the bigger they are, usually the nicer they are because they get it. It's always the small-time directors who are like, ah, it has to be this way. You know, they're all, like you were saying before, too stressed out over the wrong things.
0: Yeah. yeah, But the um, big guys
4: are great. So I appreciate this conversation. I've never had an interview like this, and it was really fun.
0: Nice. I want to hit one more thing before you walk out the door because I love all superheroes must die. The sequel. Oh I, wow! What's going on with that? When is that coming out? I don't it's see uh, any kind of release. Follow,
4: follow Jason J Tro. Uh, I think he's at the J Tro on Twitter, and he'll and or Jason Wayne Trost is his fan page. He'll be. He's. It's all about him and his distribution. So, I. It's it's his baby. So I don't know. I don't know when he's going to release it, you know. But but he will get it released. He is, is, you know, he's pretty tenacious.
0: All righty. Sean, thank you so much for spending a Sunday afternoon with us. This has been an absolute pleasure for all of us. Thanks, guys. Keep in touch. All right, We sure will. All righty, everybody. That is it for Kettle of Fish. We'll be back in two weeks with our 100th episode and the winner of the Kettle of Fish contest. Everybody say uh, goodbye. On that, guys. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Sean. All right. Bye, bye. guys.